The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. My man. How are you? Good to see you, brother. Good to be back. Thank you for having me. I miss you, too. I used to get to see you every week. I thought about that the other day. Like, yeah. Yeah. You forget that that, that's like a period of time, and it's not going to be forever sometimes, you know? Yeah. Well, it almost was. You were one of the first people to take the trip out here. I was. It was clear as day when I first came out. I'm like, why wouldn't you be out here? Because I remember I had this writing job, right? And so I was just like on Zoom every day. And life kind of sucked because you couldn't go out. So I was just trapped in my house. Right. And then in between a lunch break, I'm on Instagram and I see Tony, you know, Tony Hinchcliffe's post. He's, this is like in the infancy of him, him coming out here, you know? He's mm-hmm. like, sold out Anton's. You know what I mean? Yeah. It seemed like this bizarro universe right. where like life is still happening. And I love stand-up so much. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of miserable. And I'm like, if this is happening out there, I can do stand-up. So then I started... Asking questions, I hit up the EPs. I'm like, yo, because we're on Zoom, could I, could I just write from Austin, just Zoom by day, and then do stand up out here with like all you guys at night? And they're like, we don't see why not. So it was awesome. I got an apartment out here. I would Zoom by day. I would just be doing awesome shows at Vulcan and stuff at night. Yeah. It was. It felt like a life hack. It was a life hack. Yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. I'm so glad I did that. Have um, you been to the mothership yet? Of course, dude. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's amazing. Thanks. I got to do. Um, I think you're on vacation. Then Adam had me do where you normally do in the middle of the week. Oh, yeah. The Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm. So I got to do like six shows in that beautiful big room. Both rooms are great, you know. I like that small one for uh, working on stuff. It's kind of like the belly. It's very much like the small room is a combination of the belly and the OR. It's a little bit bigger than the belly room and a little more locked in in the belly room. And then the big room is like a combination of the OR and the main room. That's what I tell everybody because they go, what's it like? And it is – it's like if those rooms had babies. Like they're in, yeah. the, they're in the middle of both those – of all three of those rooms. They're you know? both perfect. Yeah. They're the perfect size. You know, it's kind of funny. I think the store has started to like get a facelift because of what you've done at Mothership because so many comics would come back and be like, yo, they just give you all your sets – you know what I mean? <laughs> the sound's amazing, like because it's so state of the art. Well, there's also the screens in the green room that show you what's going on on stage and the time. You can't miss your spot. Yeah, you can't miss your spot, yeah. and there's lights everywhere. Yeah, so to let you know there's lights and there's two sets of lights in the hallway, one in the beginning of the hallway, one at the top of the stairs. You always know when the guy's got the light. Yeah, so I think. And if you have any suggestions, by the way, just throw them out. We'll use them. Okay. Half I mean, of the club happy. is built on suggestions. Well, you can tell, you know. Like this, um, I think it was Tony's idea to have the lights in the green room. It might have been Tony's idea also to have the monitors in the green room. It was Louis's idea to lower the ceiling. It yeah. was Louis's idea to uh, change the size of the stage in the little room and lower the ceiling in the little room, too. How big was the stage before Louis suggested the change? It was like four feet more on each side. Too big? Yeah, it was too big. It was too uh-huh. big. He was right. Yeah. He's like, why do you have all this extra stage? You don't really... It's an intimate room. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But it was just... You know, we just kind of like walked into this empty space when it was just a movie theater. So when it was a movie theater, it was we had to change everything, right? So we changed the way the stairs are. So in a movie theater, the stairs slant way down at a steep angle, mm-hmm. right? So you could all watch the big screen. Um, we raised the floor up. So we had to build a concrete, like a rebar and concrete uh-huh. floor. 
So it's a totally different floor. Yes, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So uh, we raised it up. To, and then Louis wanted me to lower the ceiling even more, so I did that as well. After the fact, when it was all said and done? No, it wasn't all said oh. and done. We were in the middle of everything. Luckily, we ha- we did have to recut the stage in the small room because we it was the, the but the concrete hadn't been poured yet mm. so they just had to recut the steel and put it on but it's very interesting it's very interesting i've never been a part of building anything like that before yeah you could tell though because you're a stand-up of several years you could tell it was designed by a comedian it's all done with comics yeah because comics input and also richard the architect who is amazing uh, shout out to richard weiss yeah, he's the man richard. He's he's the man. He's so good. I'll have him on the podcast someday. He's a really interesting guy, and he uh, he also came up with the idea of making the tunnel. Oh, the tunnel's awesome. The tunnel's the shit. Yeah, yeah. It's such a cool hangout. The whole thing's just such. It's all just set up just for a hang. Uh huh. You know, just everybody feels good. The most valuable asset to comedians, especially nowadays, is getting that footage, dude. The footage is big. It's, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll film you, and then. Also, it's like really high quality. It's, yes, it's eight K. Yeah. The sound's great. So. I've been pushing for that at the store, and I think they're starting to. It's just it's just a process, but you also I, have to put people's phones in bags so they pay attention. Mm. People are so goddamn distracted, me included. It's so hard to just sit there. It's one of the things that I love about podcasts is that for three hours, I'm not going to see what's going on in the world. Locked in. I'm locked in. I don't yeah. have to think about other things, and I'm really lucky. I think it's a form of therapy in a weird way in this bizarre digitally sort of. Uh, intertwined world you can't escape it I, ne- I can never escape it it's so hard to get away from emails and text messages and it's just i cannot keep up i have 185 unanswered text messages are you good about clearing them or do you uh, do you have all that red who has time to clear i things? have to clear them i have this ocd thing oh, where i, I need have to have that. a clean i can't have red okay it's 183 183 unanswered texts right. how how do I do that? Well, you're a popular guy, dude. No, no. How do you keep up? You can't. Oh, you it's literally hard. can't keep up. It's hard up. for you. I, I can keep up. I can keep I'm always surprised, it, like, for how busy you are and, like, what a figure you are, like, how quickly you respond still. But you, I love you. you. I, well, thank you're you. My friend. Thank you. But I have friends and people who are much lower than you in the pantheon of things who take so much longer. Well, sometimes I do take long, though, if I'm out doing something. Yeah. There's, there's times where I'll come home and there's 60 text messages. And there's not a chance in hell that I can just bang all those out. Right. Just, otherwise, I'll go insane. That's that's what I'm saying. It's just like, it's not that I have too many people contacting me. It's not. That's not what it is. It's you find a fucking excuse to use that thing. <laughs> oh, the phones. The phones. Yeah. You find excuse. It's cool to be in contact with people. It's fun. I like that. I love the text messages I have between friends. Sending each other memes, talking shit. It's fun. It's yeah, silly. Yeah, yeah. It's silly fun. It's it's a nice relief. When Ari sends me a funny thing, you know, or says something funny, it's a nice little I, relief. The text thread you're in, they're great. You live for the text thread. Yes. Yeah. We got a, I got a few of those text threads going on between me and comics, and it's f- the most fun thing, man. Ari, but it's just yeah. the fucking phone runs your goddamn life, dude. It does. And it's like it's made it so... Especially if you're a person who, like, if you're booking shows, you have to, you know, you be in contact with your agent. You have to be in contact with, um, with the opening acts. You gotta, you know, it's a tool for everything. It's like I got, I got to docu sign something. Thing. I have to edit a video. I have to post it on TikTok. I have to post it on Facebook. I have to post it on. It's yeah. literally a computer. It's, it's like work to, never ends. You know what the most hilarious thing to me is when you have to sign things online. Like, it's such bullshit. It's an exercise in everyone it's believing. It's a fake signature. It's not even my real signature. It's a fake signature. Like a DocuSign? Yeah. 
and you just agree that you're going to accept that as your signature. You say, okay, right. and you click it, and then it's your signature. It's just Joe Rogan in text. There you, is I one, guess that's a signature. There's one way around that. It's um, If you have uh, like a Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra, their new phone, it, uh, it has a stylus that's built into the phone, and you could use it to sign PDFs. Does somebody care enough to be buying that phone just to sign documents? No, but you can sign all kinds of stuff. Like, you can write on it, like a notepad. It's really fascinating. It's a very fascinating piece of tech. We're going back to Palm Pilot. We've gone full circle. <laughs> a little bit, but it also allows you to take photographs. So you could use it as a shutter. So you could, like, stand across the room and take a photo of yourself or a video, and you press that button, and it starts recording, and it starts... You could starts be, like, an old-timey yeah, photographer. Old-timey. Could you... Just put a blanket over you. But... <laughs> do they still do that? Do they That'd have, like, great. enthusiasts who I do old-timey? I bet there's some, some kid in be. Silver Lake who's like, yo, pose, everybody. It's some cool bar, and he has the flash. Yo, I used to get fascinated by this one dude who would make old-timey wooden farm tools. This episode is brought to you by Robin Hood. You want financial security for you and your family? Well, you gotta make it happen. The world doesn't owe you a living, and that's how I've always approached my finances, and you can too with Robinhood. Robinhood pioneered commission-free stock trading over a decade ago, and they continue to offer innovative products to help you maximize your money's potential. With over 23 million funded customers, Robinhood is helping people build a better financial future. Robinhood gives you complete autonomy to make investments to pursue your future goals, whatever they are. Maybe you want to look towards investing for your family's future, investing for retirement, or even a vacation to the Bahamas. We all have some bucket list items to cross off, and Robinhood has tools to help you pursue them. Investing a small amount now could make a big difference 30 years down the road. Take control of your financial future with Robinhood. Download the app or visit Robinhood.com to learn more. Disclosure, investing involves risk and loss of principal is possible. Returns are not guaranteed. Other fees may apply. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC, is a registered broker-dealer. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Look, patience is good and all, but if you're just sitting around waiting for everything good to come your way, well, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to miss out on some amazing opportunities like your dream vacation. You have to work, save that money and actually plan it out. It's never going to happen if you just sit on your couch at home thinking about it. And the same applies to your company. You don't want to miss out on hiring the best people for your team. And luckily, there's an easy solution that you can use. It's ZipRecruiter. Try it for free right now at ZipRecruiter.com slash Rogan. They'll find you qualified people for your role quickly. And once you find someone you like, ZipRecruiter can help put you at the front of the pack. Just use their pre-written invite to apply message to connect with your favorite candidates ASAP. So, let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle that you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rogan to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rogan. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This guy would make, like, old-timey... Uh 
what are those things? Planes. He would make old timey planes and old timey like like uh, Wright Brothers planes. No, no planes. Like when you're oh. planing wood. Okay. He was like a wood shop guy, but it was all handmade. He made all of his tools. Who's the market for that? Me. <laughs> I watched that show. I couldn't stop watching it. Is but like when he makes the tools, is there a market to buy those, or is it oh, novelty? I'm sure. I think it's novelty. I, I bet when at the time this was pre-internet. Or maybe like the internet was just starting. But this guy had a cool show and I used to watch it all the time. I love when people love things. That's what I figured out about me. It doesn't even have to be something that I love. Yeah. But I love when people love things. And that's when uh, I really uh, got into Bourdain's show. Because I was like, God damn, this dude loves food. He it, loves cooking. He loves cuisine. Is that me or you that just dinged? I think it's you. I'm okay. an airplane, man. I respect the format. I usually do, bro. This Come guy, on! You I think I'd be so bold to not turn on Instagram? Uh, makes the photos that way with a truck. He turned a whole truck into a a camera, essentially. Oh, that's and cool. the process of it is crazy. So like, it could be a miss sometimes I because mean, of how much work he's doing to set Imagine it up. trying to convince these women it's a camera and not some creepy. Oh yeah, I'd be <laughs> no, like, no, it's, you it's a camera. Are a psycho, yeah, just come into the woods and pose for me. So he turned his truck into a camera. He, like yeah. he built his own camera, and it, like it, the whole thing is like the. The dark room, you know everything, and then he mm. does the chemical process. It makes really cool photos on like on metal. He's printing them right to metal. Whoa, that like is the, kind of the <clears throat> most of the photos we have is like a transfer to metal. These are directly to metal. Is that how they first started making photos? Did they put them on metal? I don't think it was metal. Well, plates. Yeah, I think it would be plates. Nice returning oh, to nature. Oh, that one didn't work. Yeah, so he's so just he throwing it. it? Yep, yep. Hey, dude, don't litter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's down. Come on, I know you're mad that your fucking homemade camera doesn't work, but you better pick that up, bitch. That's the beauty of YouTube. You know, imagine that the guy just littered. <laughs> yeah. You think that's not don't natural? Fucking, you can't litter in those places, bro. There's too many people visit. Think about how many people visit like <laughs> national parks. It's like so important not litter. To throw no one's going in thing. there cleaning up after you, you fucking animals. Don't do it. Don't litter and you're in the woods, man. My friend Adam Greentree, he goes on these uh, big backpacking hunts where he'll go, he'll go into the like Montana mountains, Colorado mountains for like a month at a time. And he's just picking up bags of people's shit that they left behind. Bags of empty water bottles, bags of trash. And he just brings a bag with him and he collects it while he's out there hunting. He said, it's disgusting. That's nice of him to do. I'm sure there's it's tons of stuff out there. It's so disturbing, though, that people do that. It's it's the worst aspect of us, this just total willingness through completely being selfish of just destroying one of the most amazing things we have in this country, which is national parks and public lands and place where you could just walk out into the woods. Yeah, There's tons of places in this country where you can just go on a hike in the fucking woods with bears and moose and all kinds of shit. You can just go out there, man. Yeah. Hopefully you know what you're doing, but nobody really tests you. Right. Nobody says, hey, Fahim, how long can you hike before you die? <laughs> Let's find out. Hey, Fahim, do you, do, you, do you do any cardio at all? No. Hey, Fahim, do you know how to use a compass? Hey, Fahim, do you guys have fucking something to start fire with? Well, that's when you make the local news, and then there's yeah. like a file photo of me, and like the search has been on for six bro, days. Bro, it's so hard to stay alive. It's so hard. You think, I've, yeah. I've never like stayed alive. You know, I'm obviously just talking out of my ass. But I have uh, been camping. And one of the things that you realize when you go camping, 
if you just go camp with just a few nights in a row, you'll realize like what fucking bitches people are. These animals, they sleep on the ground every night. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. They're out there wild. There's no doors. There's no borders. And they have all these defense mechanisms they developed to protect them from predators because of that. Because there's no hiding. Every day is war. If you're a fucking deer, every day is like listening for branches snapping. Yeah, that's just life. Every day. Remember, I was like, uh, I was uh, snorkeling in Hawaii, and you get to see all that marine life down there. Mm-hmm. And I just saw the sea turtle, so peaceful. And then part of me was like, he doesn't have to worry about rent or anything. You know, he he doesn't it's have true. to make money to exist, right. which was like an interesting concept. But he has so many other problems too. He's got problems. He's got problems. Yeah. But there's just something about like that being enough for this turtle, just kind of floating. Whereas, like, I got to get a job, I got to go on tour, I got to make money, I have to have an apartment, I have to, you know what I mean? All these things humans need to do to exist. The turtle is a residual effect of evolution that's no longer necessary, but we think they're beautiful. I think they're beautiful, man. We think they're cool. They're cool guys. They when live you see a, long a turtle, time. you're like, hey, bro, this design is not going to survive. Man, I can watch a turtle eat lettuce forever. <laughs> Doesn't Stallone still have his turtle from Rocky? Whoa, is it that old? It's old, man. They live oh a long God. time. I had turtles. I had to get rid of them when I had babies because turtles are dirty little creatures. Uh. And you don't want to have that stuff around. But they were ruthless. <laughs> I would Slowly feed ruthless? Them. No, I would feed them goldfish. Dude, I had piranhas at one point in time. Of course you did. That's like the most Joe Rogan pet. And uh, they were not nearly as ruthless as these fucking turtles. Yeah. Look at that. Rocky still got the same turtle. Forty-four years old. At least wow. this was five years ago. So the turtle looks great. Now. He looks ten. I'm sure they're not dead yet. They think that. I bet they do because tortoises live like a thousand years, don't they? Something. I a think long sea time. turtles live a long fucking time too, which is like the saddest thing. When you think people kill them and eat them, and you're like, oh. But how good must they be, like, though? How, how tasty if they're doing that? You think so? <laughs> so <laughs> they they sometimes I think about like shark fin soup. And you're like, how good must it be? Uh, aquatic turtles will con- commonly live 20 to 30 years in captivity, but many can mid- live much longer. Tortoises are lone, oh, some estimated to live 100 to 150 years. So it's not t- tortoises. Is it sea turtles that live forever? Who are the old ones? So some of them can live up to 250 years. What about uh, sea turtles? Maybe it's sea turtles. Do you think there's like I think they're really old. a family that has a turtle that's been in the family for generations? Like it's 249 years old. Wow. That's like a good This question. is my great-great-grandfather's that's turtle. That's a solid question. That'd be awesome. I think there's sharks that are alive today that are the oldest living creatures. I think there's sharks. They estimated up to, oh, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Ten, what, one? A thousand years, one, right? One and one thousand. Okay. Oh, so that's surviving. I, I was reading it wrong. Sorry. It's too many words. Lifespan five a hundred years, but there's one turtle. There's some fucking turtle that, that they think it's really old. This says estimate up to five hundred years old. Oh, okay. Here's one right here. I don't know. I mean, they that's just look it. old. No, t- you know, you never see a turtle and you're like this. this Large turtles. Out. That's what I'm talking about. Five hundred years old. That's fucking bonkers, man. That's like pre George Washington. <laughs> Wrap your head around that. You're a baby yeah. turtle. You're just fucking chilling. All of a sudden, these boats pull up, and yeah. you're like, "This isn't going to be anything." Do you think some of these turtles are not that progressive because they're pretty old and they they they're haven't been super a... conservative? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably watch Fox News. They're like, all women are wearing long. pants. What is this? <laughs> I see this, this wasn't happening when I more. when I came up. Yeah. You ever see uh, um, uh, there's a snapping turtle 
what do they, what do they call them? The really crazy looking ones. It's like a dinosaur looking thing. It's a type of snapping turtle, but there's a like a gator snapping turtle. I think maybe that's what they call it, alligator snapping turtle. Mm. It's crazy looking, dude. You can't even believe it's a real creature. And these assholes are picking him up. And you're like, bro, if you fuck up, that thing's taking your hand. It's ta- I mean, literally taking your hand. They're big. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Jesus. Look at that fucking mouth. But there's some big ones. Look at that one. In the, yeah, look man, at the size geez. of that one. That's what I'm talking about. Like that guy has. That guy's out of his fucking mind. Yeah. If that maw gets a hold of one of those fingers, that shit is so gone. You're trusting your grip. Look at that thing, right. man. You're trusting your grip. Look at its nose. Look at Bro, uh, fucking pig fuck all that. That is a monster. If that was big and storming into a village in Mongolia a thousand years ago in some crazy movie, you'd be like, oh my God, you have some Lord of the Rings type movie? Yeah. That would exactly be what it would look like. And there would be guys with straps around that thing riding it. Oh yeah, yeah, right. That's that's like those scenes oh, in the movies look where, at that thing. yeah, where the heroes are are against the wall, but then the people riding these things come in from the side. And you go, yeah, bro, we're so weak. Well, just humans. In humans, yeah. we're so weak. It's what an amazing trade off, though. But we have bombs. Yeah, we have guns. We have everything. We have houses. Yeah. we have cars. We, we have so many different it. things. We way made up for it. But isn't it interesting that as you make up for it. You have to give away your physical defenses. We're the most vulnerable. A good house cat could fuck you up. <laughs> a house cat could fuck you up, dude. A rat for sure. A rat the size of a house cat could fuck you up. You'd be so scared yeah. of that. Thing. I saw this video. You know, you see videos on Twitter and stuff. This guy in New York. There's a possum just on the side of this building. And then, and then this 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 white guy helps the neighborhood out. He just grabs it off the wall, and it's like. And oh, everyone's just Jesus. thanking this guy, and he just knows how to handle the possum. And oh, he walks it God. down the street, and he just, like, throws it into an alley. Yeah. <laughs> My dog Marshall likes possums. That's the, that's a person who grew up on a farm. That lady just grabbed I just that love guy, how right? this is a Look subgenre on the internet, just grabbing just possums. That just grabbed that thing like she knew exactly what the fuck she was doing. Look at her walk out confidently. Look at her. She's all confident and shit. Hold it onto that wild rat. Like, does she have experience? I wouldn't. She must. She must, unless it's hers. That's true. Maybe it's like a YouTube guy. She's like, my bad guys. She She's got releasing out. possums. Like, oh, you got a little crazy. Roscoe. <laughs> you <laughs> cut that out. Roscoe. You cut that out, Roscoe. We're in an Applebee's. Come on. Roscoe. They have a disease, a very specific disease, right? Don't, don't uh, possums have, like, something nasty? I think they have something that na- I was worried because my dogs got them a couple of times. Yeah. They just lock up. They don't even fight They get back. scared, yeah. No, they lock up. They play possum. Mm. They dead. Oh, so that's they're where the like fucking they're term dead. comes That's from. where it comes from. Oh. Yeah. It's a weird response. So me and the possums have the same They don't uh, know if it's a response to escape coyotes because coyotes sometimes will kill you and not eat you immediately. And maybe there's some sort of an evolutionary advantage to playing dead and they leave you there, but you're not actually dead. And so they give up on trying to eat you yet. So you got a toxoplasmosis. Toxo and then something called leptos. Yeah. All kinds of bad shit. Yeah. Uh, coccidiosis. How do you say that first one? Coccid. Diosis? Come on, dude. You went to college. I mean, Help I didn't me study out. this. I didn't study possums. I didn't How do you say that? Cox, Coxidiosis. A microscopic parasite found in a possum feces spreads a disease known as coccidiosis. When possums are immune to this disease, they're carriers and spread it to other animals. 
Mm. Diarrhea. Huh. Yeah. Uh, bloody diarrhea, dehydration, weight loss, general decline in health, if untreated can result in complications or death. Oh, shit. This one sounds tough. Death yeah, by yeah. parasites. You know what they give you when you have parasites? What? Ivermectin. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what it's originally for. Dogs are susceptible to this one. Dogs are susceptible to uh, lepto, leptospirosis, yep. leptospirosis, bacterial infection, through contact with a possum urine or contaminated water, both pets and humans can. So it doesn't, I wonder if that means if they bite them. If they bite them, they definitely can get toxo if they eat them. So the moral of the story is just stay away from possums if you can, right? Toxo's I, I would the, imagine. Toxo is the wildest. Yeah. Uh, Do you know that they think that somewhere um, in some places, like at France at one point in time, 50% of the population was positive for toxo? <laughs> no. Why? From what? Cats. Ah. From feral cats. Feral cats leave cat shit around, and that's why they tell pregnant women never touch cat litter. It's it could re it's really bad for the kid if the woman's pregnant and she gets toxo. Well, oh fuck! But it's a parasite that infects your brain, and the wildest thing about it is what it does to rats, because it rewires the rat's sexual reward system. This parasite does, and gets the rat horny for cat piss. <laughs> So the cat is, like, pissing somewhere. The rat finds where the cat's pissing, and he's literally erect. He, is and he just he has fucking the liquid or what? no fear of cats. Zero fear of cats. Their fear of cats completely goes away to the point where they pursue cats. So the cats eat the rats because Toxo can only grow and can only reproduce inside the cat's digestive tract. So inside the cat's gut, it's reproducing. The cat shits it out. And then the cycle repeats itself. The rats eat it. The rats eat the cat shit. Rats always eat shit. They get toxo. They give it to other cats. Vicious cycle. And it gets to people. And it makes people reckless. Uh. It makes it, It's a disproportionate amount of high instances of toxo are connected to successful soccer teams. <laughs> How do you know so much about toxo? Like I'm fascinated by it. There's this guy, Robert Sapolsky, out of uh, Stanford. Is he out of Stanford? Yeah, at least so. Um, brilliant guy, but uh, he did all this work on toxoplasmosis. One of the f things they found when he was a resident, or maybe it was one of his friends that was a resident, um, they found that there was a disproportionate amount of motorcycle victims who tested positive for toxo. So they started testing motorcycle victims for toxo, and they found that there's a disproportionate amount, enough to indicate that there's probably something going on there, huh. that maybe the toxo makes people more reckless. That's so weird how that can make you do that. <laughs> It's nuts, dude. You know, think of how many people have feral cats, how many people probably have it. You can have it and not even have any idea, have no inclination that you have it. I'm going to get that... tested for toxo. You're just a little cuckoo. I'm like, dude, I had it the whole time. You're just a little cuckoo. It's a 40% uh, yeah. uh, population in America. 40%. That's so much. 40% has toxo. Up to, could be. 16 to 40%. Let's just say it's only 16. Do you know how nuts that is? It's, it's a parasite that affects your, affects your behavior? That's so bananas. I know. How nuts is that? It's pretty... And most people aren't even aware of that? Get tested, guys. This is like a PSA. Get tested for Toxo. Yeah. It's... Uh, what are the side effects? Or oh. what are the effects? I know there's like a loss of uh, inhibition, I think, that comes with it. Something along those lines. Maybe that's like good. Before you hit the stage, Toxo just makes you fearless as a comedian. Well, that, you know... A good this next guy has Toxo. Good head injury is good for that, too. Yeah. A good head injury. A good head injury. Yeah, when you're younger, like you wouldn't recommend it, but two of the all-time greats had like big head injuries, and they turned into Kinnison, Kinnison, and, and Roseanne. Roseanne, I didn't know she had a head. She injury. got hit by a car. Yeah. Oh. 
Adam yeah. Devine got hit by a car too when he was oh like, Jesus yeah yeah I think he broke his bones and stuff oh when God. he was a kid that's so scary yeah I've I've been watching more car accidents because of Instagram than at any other time in my life. Instagram just wants to show you people dying. <laughs> well, X2, man. X2. Well, X is everything. Yeah. X has porn on it, which is so wild that during the time where they were trying to take people, take their accounts away for COVID information that they didn't think was correct at the time, mm. they were allowing like hardcore porn. I, I know. You, for, you forget it's the Wild Wild West on there. <laughs> and I'm not saying they shouldn't. <laughs> sure. I'd love it's, that it's the it's, Wild Wild it's West. It's such whiplash. Like, I'll be watching a cat video. And yeah. then it's just some guy, you know, mm -hmm. getting hit by a car. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Jesus, like, yeah. give me a minute. Let me brace myself. And Instagram knows that I watch those. those it's just serving you up. It knows your algo. It's just serving like, me up. There's a lot of these. I'm not even following these accounts. You like this guy dying. You may like this guy. Yeah, it's like it's weird. Like, should your feed be only people you follow or should they show you a bunch of shit? Well, that... that's what these companies are struggling with because when it was all just your circle – People weren't consuming as much as the suggested mm -hmm. videos. You know, what's funny is like I got shadow banned on Instagram for like around Thanksgiving. What did you do? Hardly anything. And it's it sucks because I'm trying to do a special via non-traditional means, you know, like it's not Netflix. It's not Comedy mm -hmm. Central. Like this is a model now because of like you and YouTube. Like this is a viable alternative to like the Netflix Comedy Central special, whatever. So it's like you need the power of these social media companies to reach people. So, like, doing podcasts and you do the YouTube special, that's, like, an arm of it. And then you disseminate. Uh, Ari Shafir has, like, been very helpful with, like, trying to self-release a special. So you, like, chop it up into clips. Like, this is what I did at my last one, you know? Mm -hmm. And you just chop up. Because most people are going to access you via clips. Like, everyone has time for 30 seconds. Right. Because the hour-long special is kind of for jazz heads. you got to be a real stand-up comedy <laughs> nerd. To like sit down and watch an hour, it, it's head. for real. Right, I was like talking a guy to, who's got vinyl. I swear it is because like I was talking to Roy Wood Jr. and like sometimes because we're in stand up, we just think it's the world because it is our world and right. we think that it translates to the rest. And he kind of he like bird's eye viewed it for me. He's like, "Yo, when you go on Spotify, stand up is under jazz." You know what I mean? He goes mm. as an art form. Right, it's under jazz. Jazz is more popular, and I'm like, it kind of put everything into focus for me where, you know, I don't have to be as invested. I'm like, okay, there's a ceiling to what you can do. But right, anyway, you, right. I need the clips. Like, I need the arm of the clips because uh, I, I, I had some clips do like 12 mil and stuff, and people were able to find me via Instagram Reels. So when they shadow ban me, like, it tells you. You can look at your account status, and there'll be marks on there. It'll say um, there's like three strikes and stuff. And then one of the things it said is your content will not be shown to non-followers. And that's kind of how the machine works. Like your stuff gets suggested to people who may not have known about you. So you need that as an artist if you want to grow, like right. to see your special and your right. stand-up. So you're, you're being suppressed. You're being limited. How do you know you were shadow banned? Because uh, it tells you on your account status. And then I had people talking to people who work – at IG or Meta or whatever, and they're like, yeah, it's shadow banned. Um, what did you do? I think it's because it's an election cycle or something. Like, it's not even a human doing it. I think it just scrapes for buzzwords and just blanket uh, has these suppression on it. So I had God, this joke. That sounds so creepy. Well, it's a, it sucks because there's no nuance to it. It was just a joke 
you know my Fahim Works on Stuff show? I, I do it on YouTube sometimes sure. where I'm just working on material. Right. I just do it to feed the algo. And sometimes there's a great joke that works, and I just post it on a reel because it's like 80% of the way there, and I'm just feeding the algo. So this joke, I post, I post it on all of them. You know, I do a clip, and then I post it on all the social media platforms. So it remained on TikTok and all the other ones. It was fine. And usually TikTok is very draconian. Like, they don't mm, like because it's right. like mostly kids. So the joke... It's a, I just go, it's a non sequitur, you know, just out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, I just, I just want to let you guys know Hamas is hiding at my ex-girlfriend's house. <laughs> so, so, so that's the joke. It's like saying something without saying something. Yeah. It's just, you it's know, just a joke. it's a joke. And like, oh my God, we can't have jokes about. Yeah. Yeah. Hamas so that's all, that's all I said. Oh my God. And, uh, and then I think it just saw Hamas on the thumbnail. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. How much do you think you're paying in subscriptions every month? The answer is probably more than you think. Over 74% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones that I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all of your subscriptions in one place, and if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help you cancel it in a few taps. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com JRE. That's rocketmoney.com JRE. Rocketmoney.com slash JRE. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. No one deserves to feel unsafe in their own home. Get a peace of mind with Simply Safe. It's advanced home security that puts you first. And these guys are some of the best in the business. They were named U.S. News and World Report's best home security system for five years running. And I think part of that is because Simply Safe has some of the most advanced systems out there with 24-7 professional monitoring and low upfront costs. Believe it or not, they have monitoring plans for less than a dollar a day. Picture this. You've been traveling for days. You come home to see your house has been broken into. Everything's a mess. They took off with a lot of your valuables. And now your home doesn't feel as secure as it did before. With Simply Safe, that might have been avoided. Their systems and agents could have helped stop the crime in real time. Using this smart alarm, wireless indoor camera, they could have seen, spoken to, and even deterred the burglars while sending the police. And you get to go on with your life knowing that Simply Safe has you covered. It's time to get the protection that you deserve. Try out Simply Safe today, risk free. And right now, the listeners of this podcast can get an exclusive 20% discount on a new system with fast protect monitoring just go to simplysafe.com slash rogan that's simplysafe.com slash rogan there's no safe like simply safe you know when you post on the grid and so then you... i got a strike for that and then there was no way to reach people and i'm just fucked wait a minute so any mention of hamas gets you shot about is that what you're yes saying? yeah pretty much i think it just uh it's this machine learning or whatever it is it's just scraping the internet for like buzzwords so that was like a hot button issue and stuff and there's no nuance applied to the situation or the joke. So it just sees Hamas. And then my account 
got hit like that. So is it any joke about Hamas or just mentioning Hamas? I don't think the joke was even taken into consideration. I think they just saw Hamas on a thumbnail or Hamas mm. on a caption, not knowing that it's a guy mm. on stage doing a joke. Right. And there's layers to this. Did you appeal the... it? Yes, I tried to appeal it. And then it was just stuck in review forever. So mm. nothing was going to happen. Like I was, I was pretty much fucked. So I know influencers in LA and stuff. And I was like, and sometimes when they're pretty high up on IG, they have a contact or something more than a nebulous. Because mm-hmm. you can't, these companies are so, there's no point person. I think it's like that for a reason. So they tried to help me out. They had a guy and we we're going back and forth and nothing was getting done. And luckily I met a large agency, like a talent agency, and they were going at it too, trying to help. And like just a week ago, it got lifted. Because, yes. And then, so the joke is up. Whereas before it wasn't. So it's, it's like it didn't wow. even happen. It's like I had someone vouch for me and then they like hands were off. It was fine. Mm. But only because I had the might of this talent agency. If I was like a regular guy, I would just be fucked. Well, that is the thing about a, an agency can get in contact with someone who you know, there's a value in that for sure. Yeah, so Especially much. Especially in this weird time. But you also have to realize from their perspective, they're managing at scale literally billions of people. Yes. So I mean, I, Facebook and Instagram are all the same company, right? It's all Meta. So, like, how many how many Meta customers are there? Let's just guess. So many. Well, isn't it like a small nation when well, you add up how many Facebook? I don't think users? it's a very small it's, nation. It's, I think it's I think it's a really big one. I think it's a really big one. I I, I want to say it's north of two billion. Yeah, that's a big ass country. But it's a, it's it's an imperfect Daily solution. Active user, users on Meta products. Yeah. Is, Three point one nine billion. Yeah, that's half. That's so many people. It's a lot so of people. You have to think from their perspective that they think they have an obligation somehow to uh, maintain a certain level of discourse on their platform. This is how you could establish it initially. But then when you get people in there that are very politically biased and you get people in there that are socially biased and, you, and they only want one perspective being heard and then you get a lot of people self-censoring because they self-censor because they're like, hey, I don't know what I can say and what I can't say. Well, now I'm, now I'm like that. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Twitter does not do that. X does right. not do that. I don't like calling it X. I can still call it Twitter. I know. I'm old school, bro. I'm old school. Uh, it's because it's not an X. You can't make an X. You make a tweet. True. Right? True. Yeah. I tweeted it. You Xed it. That's no, I, I say Xed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I write hard for Elon. I'm like, I was on X, and then I was just drafting a bunch of Xs, and then it's I, just fucking... I Xed it. What? What do you call it? Tweet? Oh, that, that's 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 yeah, Jack Dorsey. This yeah. is Elon. The old days, kids. It just. So it's nice to have my account back, but um, it but was, I love that it's wild. That's the the Twitter thing is it's. I mean, some of it is disturbing when people get comfortable enough to just like really speak their mind about things. You're like, oh my god. Well, that's the thing about social media too is uh, uh, sometimes when you're a close knit circle, your buddies kind of check you like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> but social yeah. media, some people have a lot of rope. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah, and especially, like, isolated people. Yes. I see isolated. my friends get nutty on the road. Like, I'll get nutty. Like, you could tell your buddy has been on the road for too long. Like, they do a video in a hotel room or something. Oh, no. And you're like, oh, no, they're losing their mind. Yeah. I've been guilty of that, too. Just when you're not surrounded by community and people mm-hmm. and you're just a brain floating on the road. The number one key that I found very early is go on the road with your friends. I'm lucky. Oh, 
I've entered a phase of my career where now I'm starting to be able to do that, whereas before you're not making enough money. So you're just beholden to whoever they book as a feature, and you're just stuck in a hotel. Mm -hmm. You're walking across a freeway to go to a Cracker Barrel and kill time. I decided a long time ago, like 98, to do that. Just bring, just pay more money. Yeah. Give them the money. Just make less money, but have a good time. It's worth it. Dude, it's everything. It's everything. Yeah. Make less money, have a good time. Make more money, have a bad time, not fun. You don't like that. That's not a good feeling. Make less money, have a good time, and have everybody else have a good time too. Yeah. So it's a bunch of guys who are really good friends, who love each other, been on the road forever, going to dinners forever. I've had hundreds of dinners with Ari and Joey Diaz and Duncan. and So we get together, it's just joy. It's the best. It's just joy. It's just being with your favorite people. Having a good time and doing the thing that you can't believe you get paid to do. Yeah. I'm I'm able to do that now. I think, you know, I mean, I have to say thank you for... No, my... you're able to do it from your talent. I know. But I mean, this is a platform because, like, I wasn't a Netflix guy. I wasn't a Comedy Central guy. and Which doesn't make any sense to me. Well, That just shows uh, me fine. that Comedy Central and Netflix don't... Well, <laughs> look at how, much of, how many of my friends and peers are just skyrocketing and they weren't the guys they picked. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. kind of validating and refreshing and it's cool to see comedy policing itself and just promoting guys who are in the trenches and know what's up not some guy who has a communications degree well, i think just, there's a lot of I mean? comedy nerds now too that are really into comedy they're really because they get to see how the sausage is made from all the podcasts yeah you know it's still like really before that i always said this like there's so few conversations with great stand-ups uh, that exist like from the George Carlin days or Richard Pryor days. There's not hours and hours of Pryor just sitting around talking about things, which would have been amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Can you imagine Richard Pryor or George Carlin had a podcast? It's pretty nuts, I know. Yeah, oh, my I'd God. Be... It would be insane. It would be insane. And George has done some conversations where he talked about his writing process. He talked about you know the art form itself. But he had a very specific way of doing it that most people don't do it that way. He would write a monologue. Yeah, I And then saw he that. would just sort of punch it up a little bit. That monologue would be his monologue for the year. It was year. amazing, but it was rigid, and he knew he knew his beats mm-hmm. and stuff. But, yeah, Totally brilliant. different process. Totally different process. Because in the end, he became this guy who was a comic as much as he was a social critic. It was like both things were this. It was still a great comic, clearly. But he was also a great social critic. And he had because he didn't have a podcast his view of the world came out in his stand-up and he had to figure out a way to make that funny and that was like his great challenge well it gets so distilled when that's here because like we can talk at length and approximate it and we Mm -hmm. have and you can go back on what you said and go you know actually now that i'm thinking about it right I i could see how you would look at it the other way too which is so goddamn important comedy fans are are getting very granular it's kind of cool i think Comedy's always been popular, but not like this. And I, I, I almost feel like it's um, people are discovering stand-up this day and age, sort of like the way they used to discover music. Mm. People are taking ownership of discovering comedians. Because even me, I'm kind of like under the radar. I'm, I'm pretty niche. And when a, a comedy fan likes me, there's just like a level of fandom. It's like they found a cool record at a, mm. at a record shop because of the, the advent of YouTube and Instagram. People aren't just accepting whatever 
is being fed to them through a corporate pipe. Right, which used to be the case. Like if you weren't picked before, you couldn't you you couldn't do anything. That was the only way to even get in front of people. Yeah. Is like you had to be the corporate pick. Otherwise, you were just toiling in obscurity. There was yeah. no way to even be seen. But yeah. now there's all these ways to circumvent the traditional. Like Schultz was saying something is like like younger generations and stuff. They don't know uh, where they saw it or like what the medium is or the branding. They just know they saw it on a TV. Whether mm. it's YouTube, whether it's Netflix, whether it's Amazon, like that type of branding is almost like legacy thinking from when I was coming up and you were coming up and there was a way to do it. Yeah. People just like good now. Well, they like what they like too and there's plenty of variety. There's all sorts of different comics out there now that are really popular. It's a really interesting time. I think like for stand-up, like for the art form, I don't think there's ever been a better time. There's never been more of it. There's never been more good ones. There's never been more good ones coming up. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the more interesting things about watching the club is occasionally I'll get to see these people that uh, audition to be door people. Those are all comics. Yeah. And I get to see them grow. It's fun. It's fun to watch, man. It's fun to watch people inspired. And that energy is in the whole room, you know, because there's all these different levels. You know, there's guys like Asan and Derek who are now going on the road. Yeah, and, great and guys. Killing it on the road. Yeah. David Lucas is killing it on the road. William Montgomery's killing it on the road. And then there's, like, the headliners that come in that are there all the time, like Shane and Duncan yeah. and, and Tom Segura and all these people that come in to fuck around. But there's this feeling that starts at the bottom. It starts with the base. It starts with the people that are inspired about making it still. And then there's the people that are just getting in, and then there's the people that are in, and then there's the people that are on television, and everybody knows who they are, and they scream when they go on stage. Right. And then there's Ron White. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's those people. So it's like you get to see how we're all just the same thing. We're all just artists, for lack of a word. We're like Pokemon, word. just different we're evolution. We're just doing a weird art form. Yeah. We're doing a weird art form that hasn't really until now been documented as to how to go about doing the process and how each one of us went about doing the process. And I think people are interested in that. Just like I'm interested in that motherfucker that makes wood, <laughs> <laughs> wood tools. I love when people love things. Yeah. I yeah. do. When, even if it's something that I don't do. I love when people love things. It's, I, yeah. I, anything, man. Anything. Well, it's so interesting how the blueprint as to make it, whatever you want to call it, in comedy has shifted so fast in the past couple of years. Because yeah. when I was coming up, it was SNL. It was doing like a late night set. It was doing premium blend, like these smaller showcase type sets. Yes. And then you do a half hour. Like a half hour on Comedy Central was huge. Like right. Dane had a monster half hour. Uh, just Gaffigan. You would, Louie, you know, these were like people's entry points to these people. And then now there's really, those things don't exist. I, I was taking. Um, well, it's the viral clip now. Yes. So, I, I, you know, I was on the road and I took, uh, I was doing Cobbs and I brought Matt Lockwood. He's a comedian from the store. And, and we're just sitting eating ice cream on the bench and I'm, and I'm you know talking to the young comics and I'm like what what do you guys pine for now like what is the thing cuz when I was coming up I knew what the thing was like what we all wanted right it was like a JFL uh yeah. showcase it was a late just night for set. laughs for people just don't for know laughs. Yeah. Montreal yeah. the biggest set of your life is in French Canada <laughs> <laughs> it is and then you make an Arby's joke and you're like oh you don't have Arby's <laughs> uh, that would have been Panic. good that would have been good to know in front of all these suits uh, what what else is in the news um so I go what's your thing what are you and he's like there's really nothing that was weird to me that they had no touchstone. He goes, maybe like a clip goes viral or a podcast. It's just so nebulous now. Right. 
There's well, no hard blueprint. Well, the blueprint before was kind of the pro- the problem was it involved other stuff. The blueprint involved like getting a sitcom, getting a talk show, getting a something. Yes, it always involved that a means to an end, a springboard. Like you couldn't yeah. just be a comic. No. You had to be a wacky neighbor. But that was the thing that always bummed me out the most about Richard Jenny. You know, Richard Jenny when he died um, was one of the best comics ever, but was felt like a failure because he didn't become Jim Carrey mm. because he didn't become the guy who did the movies. The, the, he had a TV show. It was called Platypus Man. That was on like one of those burgeoning networks, one of those new networks. Like, what was it? WB. WB, it, one of those. It was the Tubi of its day. It was one of those weird networks mm-hmm. where like they started offering people deals to do shows that maybe wouldn't have got a show at NBC or ABC. But he was a great comic, man. A great fucking comic. And he never liked the fact that he was just a comic. But what's crazy is if you plug him in today, he'd be a he'd killer. Be, yeah, Arenas. it's enough. Yeah. Like you're enough as a comic. Yeah, you're enough. Whereas that used to never be the case. It was like, what else do you do? What's oh, such a disrespected art form? It's such like it's something that everybody loves, but nobody, <laughs> nobody takes that seriously because because it seems like the person on stage is doing what you can do. They're just talking. I know, I know. But they get up there and they learn very quickly. <laughs> yeah, well, if they get up there. Yeah, well, you ever have a drunk person who's like, yeah. I'll do it sometimes. I'm like, all right, let's, let's try it. Let's see what you got. And, they go, uh, and then everyone hates uh. them. Go, you wanted this, dude. Yeah. Well, it's just people think. And then there's people that want to do it and just don't know how to do it. Yeah. There's a lot of that. I'll get that after shows. Some like young comics. Like, yeah. what do I do? I've been writing stuff. I'm like, you just got to get yeah. up. You just got to walk into the fire. Yeah. You and... just got to do that first open mic night. After the first one, it'll be a lot easier. The first one's the hardest one for sure. I always the tell them. The first one, I was fucking terrified. Yeah. But the fact, if you even do it, do three minutes, and even if it's terrible, that is 99% further than most people ever do. So many people talk. But yeah. they never even like bomb for three minutes. That is a win, even for real, because you know what it feels like. At least if you have gotten laughs and then you bomb, I think that's better because at least you know you can get laughs. But if you start off bombing, yeah. the road to actually getting la- like if you bomb out of the gate first time on stage, just death. Right. Not even a chuckle. Well, if you come back, one. if you Boom. come back after that happens, yeah, you're then, an animal. Yeah, or then, you're a crazy person. Sure, you could but be those crazy. are those are those are both great assets as a stand-up comedian. Occasionally, I guess the crazy person isn't always. <clears throat> you know, the crazy person isn't always. That's not really right. You have to harness the crazy. Yeah, some people it's not harnessable. Mm. You know, it's a thousand horsepower engine on a fucking kid's like, bike. What do I do with this? They have like a little kid's bike with a fucking giant what a Corvette engine on it. <laughs> Oh, I also got to thank you because, I mean, it reminds me, um, I brought my parents to Tonight Show, and that's because of your podcast. I remember I was doing, I forget which one, I've been on a few times, but like, you're like, have your parents seen you before? And I'm like, uh, nah, I go, they, they saw me do the Apollo when I was 18, and then I, I got booed at the Apollo, and that was the first, uh, I was like a few months into doing stand-up. And they're from Afghanistan, and this is not a thing you do. And right. they wanted me to quit, and it was just very disgraceful me doing this. And they see me get booed by four thousand people. I'm telling the story on the, I think, <clears throat> the I mean, one or two ago. So I, I get booed off stage and all that. And then you're like, they got to come see you again, man. You're great. And I go, I just have this mental block, right? Because that was so bad, right? That um. I just, it's like an emotional thing you just put in a closet and mm-hmm. you just ignore it. 
Yeah. Because I just wanted to keep on uh, doing comedy on my own and keeping my my parents and stuff like separate. And then you're like, they got to come see you. And then on the podcast, I was like, uh, I just always had this fantasy of like, it when they see me, it being so good to counteract how bad that experience right. was, right. that it would be like a celebration that everything is okay. Your son turned out okay. Right. All the worries you had, uh, you don't have to worry anymore. So I think after I spoke it into existence on your pod, I actually went about doing it. So I hit up the booker of The Tonight Show, and I'm like, I mean, I guess I could have always done it. I just never, I know the booker. I go, can I do The Tonight Show? Like, I'd love to do it. I told him the whole story of, like, my parents have never seen me since that thing. This is, like, an emotional thing I need to take care of. Like, this isn't even about wow, comedy anymore. This is heavy. just, like, healing. <laughs> it's been this monkey on my back for 20 years, 21 oh. years, you know? And then he's like, send me a tape. I sent him a tape. So I actually did the work. I finally just went about doing the work. I went to the improv. I put a tape together. I sent it to him. He's like, this is great. Come and do it. So then I flew my parents out to New York. And it was just very therapeutic to be able to give this to my parents because they know what The Tonight Show is. It was a celebration. It was like, this is way bigger than, like, I love The Tonight Show. Thank you for letting me do it and all that stuff. But in the grand scheme of, like, entertainment and needle moving, it, it's not what it used to be. You know, you used right. to do Tonight Show and people like honking and shouting your name from cars and shit. That's how I found out about Richard Jenny. Oh, his Tonight Show appearance? Yeah, I saw him yeah. Tonight Show. But this was just to give my parents a night out and a memory and a story yeah. for their parents. So I wore a suit. Uh. I brought them out. They got, to, they got to meet Jimmy. They got to meet the Roots. The Roots nice. came in. and Because nice. I'm like friends with the Roots somehow. So That's like, amazing. Yeah. They, they're like, oh, your, your son is amazing, blah, blah, blah. You're, you raised a good kid and all that. So it was everything I would I could ever dream of it being, and and I that's that stems from your pod, you know. Well, it stems from you, dude. You I know. Put it together, but still, it's just um, when you talk about things and and you speak something into existence, I think that's valuable, you know. Just sure, but you also format. have to work at it. Think about it. You got to put that set together. You got to work at it. Yeah, got to be real careful with that. Speak things into existence. Talk. <laughs> Because you're a very dedicated and disciplined writer. Right. You write all the time. You're always working on new material. You're always working on your material. You put a lot of time and effort into stand-up comedy. People say that. That's nice. Thank you. But I mean, I, I just develop systems where it doesn't feel, because when people are like, oh, you write a lot, it doesn't feel like I write a lot because I just have systems and processes where over time I look at my notes and I just have a bunch of stuff. It's not, right. I think people have such an aversion to writing. They think that you have to go to a log cabin. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's a typewriter and then you like do a pipe and you're like, yeah. what's funny? Exactly. Whereas I've gotten my process to a point where I just live life. And if something happens, I jot it in my phone and mm -hmm. you jot enough things in your phone. That list is pretty long. Yeah. And then I developed that Fahim works on stuff and his friends drop by show. I developed in a, in during COVID on accident. Like the jam in the van was the only venue doing shows, and I had already headlined there. They go, you you want to do another one? I'm like, eh, how about this for an idea? I go, I just have all these bits that I never get around to trying. I MC the show. I have a piece of paper up there. I'm just kind of like reading. I'm just like spaghetti against the wall. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to people, comedy fans being savvy now, where they know the right. process. And I I have enough fans at this point now, where like they want to see. How the sausage gets made, yes, you know? Yes, So I do like 10 minutes in between acts, just trying stuff out. And then I bring up people doing great sets, you know what I mean? So the bulk of 
the integrity of the show isn't based on me trying new stuff because I have great comics interspersed. Right. So it's a very low stakes way for me to try a bunch of new material. So after the great act goes, I do 10 more minutes of bullshit or whatever, bring up the next comic. So it's a safe space nice. for me to be yeah. able to try new stuff. And they know what you're doing too. Yeah, the show is called Fahim works on stuff yeah. and his friends drop by. So I think it's a good of, name of a show. Yeah, and it mitigates expectations. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times comics when they're like, "Oh man, I'm so afraid I can't write stuff." It's like make the show where you can. Mm. Cuz I'm Bobby sometimes. First of all, it was very cool to see Bobby on the pod. I'm surprised it took I know, it took forever. It took forever. I told Bobby, I'm like, I'm so glad that you finally did it. Like, I, he wouldn't do it forever. That. Forever. Bobby's weird like that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but when, I don't even, we talked about doing it like a hundred times. Whenever I'd see him at the store. I know. And he's just not like, in the middle. What made him want to do it this time? What put him over the top? I don't know. I should ask he him. He just, you know, he's going to be in when town. the time's right. Um, we hooked it up. It was fun. It was fun hanging out with him. Yeah, he's awesome. I love Bob. He was I love he was the first comic to take me on the road, like a headliner to actually take me on the road with him. He's a genuinely sweet guy, like, genuinely sweet guy. Always has been. Yeah, he's, he's always awesome. good with other comics he's too. Hilarious, so funny. He's hilarious to hang out with too. Just, he's he's just a feral a whole... cat, dude. He's so I had him funny. on my pod one time, and like <laughs> I, I had an idea of where I wanted the pod to go, yeah. and I'm just kind of like mentally trying to corral Bobby, and oh, there's no way Bobby. you can't. That's silly. You need a you need a, like a red red cape. Yeah, Toro. I need a possum guy just to grab Bobby off the wall. I uh, spent this is how, how stupid I am. I spent um, 20 minutes today watching dudes do flips over bowls. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's dudes, this is a new sport, where the bulls run at them and they flip over the bulls. They do like front flips, so they're acrobats. The red cloth isn't enough? Not enough. You're now This is counting, the next evolution? You're counting on your knees and your ankles. These guys, oh, this, that guy got hit. Whoa. Look, at this. Look at this motherfucker. The leaping of the bulls. Look at this shit. Do they I ever... watched this for 20 minutes today. <laughs> I can't do that without the bull. Bro, this is, you have to be so so athletic. You're avoiding horns. That that goes up your asshole. You're a dead person. Yeah. And it happens all you, the time, man. Do you think one of these guys is undefeated? Nope. I guarantee you Father Tom catches them just like it catches great fighters. I bet there's a few of those guys that hang in there a little too long. The yeah, bullfighter? Yeah. Front yeah, flip gets yeah. a little sloppy. Maybe you're, you got that one bad ankle, but I'll compensate with my right ankle. Uh-uh. Not this time. It's not even a flip. It's a somersault. This time. This time you're going headbutting a fucking bull. It's just a, I mean, but it's such a weird. Th- Listen, I prefer it to the other thing, the What's other the... bullfighting thing they do. Where oh, they, they stick kill them it. full yeah. of spears and they compromise it. Flipping is just good fun. Well, it's just the whole bullfighting thing. I get it back in the Dizzy. You ever try to flip? No, I've never tried to flip. I used to be able to flip. Really? Oh, yeah. I believe you. Yeah, I learned uh, for the high school musical. <laughs> That's like the least manly story. Like, you ever flip? Yeah. How long did it take you to learn? Uh, You know, during the summertime, you just have so much free time that I had my best friend across the street. I'm like, yo, come over. I'm going to try to do a backflip. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. So he just had eyes on me. Mm. And I would try to just do it on the side yard of my parents' house. Jesus Christ. So I would run. Grass is pretty soft. You know, I'm not doing it on concrete. Yeah, it's soft enough. But you're 18. You have rubber bones. Right. So I would just run, do a round off to backflip. and then. But I was doing it sideways. I mm-hmm. think when you first start, you want to see the ground the whole time because right. you're too afraid to totally let go. Yeah. 
So he's like, stop going diagonal, go more. And then finally I got it. So I was doing, I wasn't doing a standing backflip. I was doing a round off to backflip. And then I learned how to go off a wall. Whoa. And then that's actually easier because you just like push off the wall. It takes a lot of the rotation out. And then I learned how to have uh, my buddy launch me. I actually posted on my Instagram because when I was shadow banned, I was just posting dancing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, I was in I was in jail. I was in jail. So I just so like. So how banned were you? Did I still still well, see here's, your stuff? Or well, is it I'm just unbanned. New users? I'm, I'm, but at the time when you were shadow banned, would that mean I would have a hard time seeing your stuff? Is it people that follow new, you? New people wouldn't be able to see me, but okay, some but, I would be able to reach you some of f- follows. You could see you. Yes, everybody. May, maybe not the entire pie, but I. If my ceiling was going to be people who already follow me, I wasn't going to reach any new people. Um, That's weird, isn't it? Yeah. So then I didn't want to, because I had all these jokes and stuff, and I go, I don't want to burn these clips on a suppressed audience. Right. You know? So I just went to my archives and just reposted dance shit. (laughs) But what's funny is, like, sometimes when you post dance stuff, it brings people who like dance that you wouldn't think... Like sometimes you'll like a dance thing, and it throws oh, me it, cool thro- it throws stuff. me for a loop because I wouldn't think Joe Rogan likes a dancing video from me. I like all kinds of things, man. Yeah, and then Juliet you know? Lewis started liking some of this stuff. This is like oh, a fucking hilarious. crazy world. And then she she asked a question in one of the IGs, and I'm like, she's like, oh yeah, did you used to do this for talent shows and stuff? And I'm like, oh, I did it for the High School Musical. So is there? Can you pull it up on? I'm trying to find it. I it's a. Uh, I there's too I I have too many dance videos. Let me let's explore this. Yeah. Why is musicals not manly? Probably the singing and dancing. Right. Why if is I had singing to guess. and dancing not manly? Particularly evolutionarily speaking, because women have always been impressed by singing and dancing. Yeah, but you think need about to th- Saturday Night Fever. Yes. Right. But think about all the jealous guys, and they just called Travolta gay or whatever because if the girls like if the girls like something that kind of blends feminine Mm. haters is going to say he's gay blends feminine yeah singing singing and dancing dancing? right but why again if if women like it and if it's difficult to do what makes those two things that are difficult to do that women like because it's not a masculine watching it too though if it was rock, like if it's leather, guys can get behind that. Right, but if a guy can really dance, that shit's impressive. Yeah, but it has to be next level. It has to be like Michael Jackson but, or Prince. Mm, interesting. Or like Lance? Or like Lance. Like Lance yeah. Kansopoulos? <laughs> <laughs> When's Lance coming back? You know? When's Lance coming back? Lance? Yeah, I don't know. Fahim does a character on stage called Lance Kansopoulos, mm-hmm. and it was always a favorite of the comedy store. Is he doing Lance tonight? Is he doing last night? Or I think he irritated you. Well, <laughs> nah, I mean, it's fun. Like, stop no, asking I, for I, Lance. I'm right here. <laughs> Fahim's right here, motherfucker. Like, Lance is, cannibaliz- like Lance is cannibalizing Fahim. It's like that movie. What was it? The Dark Half? What was that book? The Stephen King book? Well, the, the writer, like, uh, he's got, like, an evil writer in his brain that writes all the hits. Yeah. And he comes to life. Well, there. I mean, Lance is a part of me. Mm. The, the thing is, I almost feel like Lance is who I would be if I didn't have parents. <laughs> I swear to God. Because my parents raised me a certain way. Right. And yeah. even when I have thoughts and stuff, there are so many gates before mm. I kind of say, you know, right. what, what I say. Right. I'm careful sometimes. And then right. Lance is just pure id. 
yeah. and it's dancing and it's, it's 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 candy right and it's so fun mm. also as an artist too just as a stand up cuz when i when i write jokes and shit i'm like there's it's uh, intricate you know okay what goes here blah blah right it's mentally taxing right but lance there's no jokes it's just you show up they play dance music <laughs> And I'm go- I'm going out to the comedy store where they've seen so much high level, c- yeah. cerebral, great jokes and stuff, and then they're like Lance Gastonopoulos. <laughs> oh yeah, here Bert bringing Lance up. Is there? It- <laughs> like pure nonsense. No, amazing. It, I know, I know. Amazing. But it really sets... Do you have the wig with you? I, I, I packed Lance. Lance is going on stage tonight. Oh, shit. <laughs> Lance is going on stage tonight. I just love the phrase, I packed Lance. Lance is going on stage tonight. It's like I get mad if Duncan doesn't bring Little Hobo. Oh, like, yeah. Where's Little Hobo? So one time when Adam was still at the store, he was you know the, the manager there, I went up earlier in the night in the OR as me, and then my set's done, and Whitney's running late. And then Adam tracks me in the hallway. He like grabs me by the shoulders and he goes, Whitney's running late. Get Lance. (laughs) (laughs) So so I'm like Superman. So I go I go into the trunk of my car and then and then I you know, I turn into Lance. So this is like three or four comics later. And they, they bring, they go, who's next? They go, Lance. And the comic's like, what the fuck? They go, all right, Lance can't stop us. Then I go, I go back up for the same audience, but I'm as Lance this time. And I dance and shit. And then I sit on the stool and I'm like, you guys look strangely familiar. <laughs> <laughs> so then, then I'm like, I do a 10-minute Lance set. And then I see Whitney in the back. And then, oh, and then I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, Whitney Cummings. And ah! so, I, so I got them out of a pinch. That's amazing. But I've never done, I guess one other time I did do Lance on the same show, like as Fahim. Bro, Lance will become Dice. Yeah. I can see that because it's so much fun to do. Do you know the Dice story? So, no. What was that? Dice's name is Andrew Silverstein. Right. I know he was like a great impressionist and and great actor. He used to go on stage and he used to do all these characters. He used to do John Travolta. He does an amazing John Travolta. Mm. Right. And then he would do this character called the Dice Man. And then the Dice Man became him. Was it? Keep making fun of my car. Let me tell you something. This car is automatic. It's systematic. It's hydromatic. Wide screen lightning. Just sing it, Elvis. In front of like Madison Square Garden. I mean, how do you not love him? And it's him? so good. It's amazing. He's amazing. Dice is amazing. But anyway, um, that became him. Uh. He became that character. That's him. This is it, man. You're Lance. This is my evolution. You are I was Lance. A, I was a caterpillar. You are Lance. I am. This is, this is my, my suggestion for your next special. After this one that you just did. Yeah. Half hour of you. Short break. Yeah. Half hour of Lance. So it's like speaker box and love below. Like the Outcast album, like half this, half that. That's Just, pretty great. You you leave the stage, the the stage goes black for like three minutes. <laughs> you Yo. fucking swap out clothes, put the wig on, hit yourself a little Dior. Oh well, well, yeah, 
What do they wear? What, for the front what are row? people that like what, to wear cologne? What, what, is, what is dudes who oh, like to party aqua, and go aqua to clubs? Vel- aqua Velva for sure. <laughs> a guy who goes to clubs. The guy's like, what's up, girls? Like, what is, what's that guy wearing? Oh, uh, yeah. What's, what's Gold the... chains. What's that guy wearing? Jean jacket, obviously. Wife beater underneath. Right. What is the smell, though? Probably. Drop. I typed in cheesy guy cologne, and the, this bottle just, popped up. All some people are oh. really <laughs> into cologne, man. Did you Jean ever get into uh, cologne? When oh, I was male. a kid, I had Dracar Noir. Oh, that was a big one? Dracar was the I big I heard about it. All the guys, hey, you got to get Dracar. Girls love it. it Do smells they? Smells good. I have no idea. Do you, you think some girls, the... like... Oh, no guy knows what the fuck he's cool, doing. Cool water was big in the nineties. Cool water, oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, oh, Tommy was big for me growing up, and weeds. then a uh, Polo Sport was mm. was a hot uh, fragrance. I used to do the Old Spice and aftershave. Mm. Where you fucking splash it on your hands, you sting your face. Ooh, well, it's that? functional though too, because if I don't do that and I shave with a razor, you'll get ingrown. So to you, it's functional. You just it's go back functional, to dude. <laughs> Just do land. <laughs> Yo, it burned, but it feel good. You just fucking splash that on your face. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're like Kevin McAllister. Dude, I think Lance. It's fun. Like, I'm bringing him back. I've been doing it more at the store. Would you do that, though? That, that my idea for a special? I, I, I would. I'll produce it. Oh, yeah? How about that? Also, because this is my third traditional special. Like, I've done it. You know what I mean? Right. So it's kind of, you get bored, and there's enough digital IP out there of me doing straight stand-up. Well, you can do both, though. That's the beauty of what you've got going on, is that you could just do an entire Lance tour if you wanted to, or an entire Fahim tour if you want. You do whatever you want. I also had this idea, too, because, like... Lance just loves everything. He thinks he can do everything. He, he can be an actor. He wants to be in action movies. He wants to he wants to sing and do music. So like I might want to do like where it's like a documentary of like Lance putting out an album and an EP. And so <laughs> so, so so he like tours America doing like shitty venues, but he has like three songs on an album. And then the in between of doing songs, he's just like doing crowd work. Like thank you for supporting live music and everything. And like how I came up with this song, I was. Uh, taking a shit at Chipotle and like just the chords came to me hit it you know so it's like half music <laughs> right. half comedy right. that could be a fun different type of special to do yeah I just love I love when someone busts out a character you know yeah yeah. there's a few things you don't see that much in stand up anymore you don't see like a character cause it's scary um You'll get shit on a lot. When, when you're a young comic, if you mm-hmm. do something kind of non-traditional, you yeah. can get shit on. So, like, luckily Lance happened after I was really established at the comedy store. Like, no, I already no, no, had... no, it, Lance is good. It doesn't oh, matter. Oh, I, I know, I know. But even if you weren't established, if you came in and just did Lance, sure, people sure. would think, oh my God, it's hilarious. But Lance was able to thrive because I already had the... <laughs> For real. <laughs> Lance is another person, dude. <laughs> he is, what he is. What is that Stephen King book? He is. Is it a dark half? Lance was able to thrive because I was already beloved at the store. Like, I, right. I had earned their respect right. and stuff. Right. And so, because if you start killing with a character and no one knows who you are, right. you're going to get shit on by the, like, elders and stuff. Like, so it might take Oh, the, not at the store. Uh, if it's, it's a harder sell than if you have no history as a traditional comic yet. Like, cause it seems oh, like God. hacky or a yeah. trick. So the fact that I can do straight... But it's not if it's good. The dark half, yeah. Mm. Thad Beaumont, a parasitic twin removed from inside his skull when he was 12. What? <laughs> Since then, he's become a critically acclaimed literary writer and a blockbuster crime writer under the pseudonym George Stark, who goes on a murderous rampage when Thad kills him off. Is that yeah, that's, yeah, that's okay. the book. All right. 
<laughs> it's a crazy, crazy book. I mean, it's fun doing different character you, music stuff. Lance is inside of I you. did a promo. Can you pull it up? Because I uploaded <laughs> it. You need to feed Lance. I will feed Lance, for or Lance sure. Lance is going to go on this a murderous is, This is going to be sort of the way that Tonight Show thing was spoken into yeah, an this existence. Is, this is the Lance new into this is the new thing. Can you pull up? Uh, I did a promo, like a music video for my special. This It just reminded me of the music. It's, I, it's, I think comics are open to anybody trying anything as long as it's really good. But the problem, we don't put that same scrutiny on someone trying to stand up for the first time. You know, like when you see someone doing an open mic night, you expect them to suck. It's just so fucking hard. Yeah. But if you see someone doing an open mic night and sucking as a character, you're like, you ain't never going to make it, bitch. <laughs> right? Oh, Keep it up. What is this? I have a special <laughs> promo for the comedy special. House money. Instead of doing a trailer for my special, I'm like, let me just do a music video. So this kid, McCone, he directed it. He does a lot of bad friend stuff, too. So we bang this out in a day. You know what's disturbing? That 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 guy could be a very popular music artist. That could be your third <laughs> career. Your third She's, career I mean, is the your British like, super emo. is so thick. Satirical. And... Satirical British emo songs i'm not kidding i was listening to tears for fears and i'm like this has to be my promo bro if if you go like way over the top tears for fears like over to the next level of dismay so british yeah over the top like so over the top you could be that's your next career bro it's your third career this is my i'm just stacking careers today Yeah, you're gonna stack careers you're gonna be a mock emo (laughs) singer from the uk <laughs> so, somewhere so, where it never so, is sunny. So on Scotland a, or some shit. On a lineup, who goes where? Obviously, I can't follow Lance. So Lance closes up. So it'd be Lance me, has to close. This guy this opens. Guy, oh, he this opens. This guy opens. He opens with his corny songs. Right. Right? You have these songs. Everybody goes nuts. Right. Short break. You come back as Fahim. And then everyone's dicks some are shit. hard for. What, Short break. You kind of hear like. Yeah. Like on a bleachers. And then a spotlight. The first one's probably a bad idea. The singing's probably a bad idea. Right, right, right. But the other two are really good ideas. Those are real. But the singing could make it. If you really like. I don't want it to make it. It was just a fun promo to do. If you wanted to prove a point, if you had like this thing in the back of your head and you're like, you know what? I don't fucking think. Like get my Eddie Murphy on? Yeah. My party all the time. That's a jam, though. That is a fucking jam. Let's put that on the green room playlist. My girl walked up on the time. That was uh, produced by Rick James, right? Joey Diaz, you're on the podcast. Yo. I love you, brother. Where you been? You don't call, you don't write. <laughs> I called you yesterday. Hey, I'm here with Fahim. I love you, Joey. How are you? You got to talk loud. He can't hear you. Doesn't Joey, have good... I love you, man. How are you? I love you, brother. I can't hear you. Listen. <laughs> Oh, don't tell everybody. They'll know. Now the whole world's going to know. Yes. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. He's such a sweet guy, man. Like, I can mute it. Oh, mute it. I don't want people knowing when he's coming. Okay, all right. Mute it. One of the fun things about the club is no one knows who's going to be on stage. I see it because I follow the Instagram account, obviously. It's fun. Depending upon who's in town, especially when we do Protect Our Parks. uh, And then it's Ari and Normand. It's fun seeing that pop because the audience is losing their fucking minds. Yeah, it's fun. The crowd's like, oh, my God. It's just a a fun place, man. And uh, you were a part of the beginning of this. You really were because you were like one of the first comics that took a chance moved out here. 
Thanks, man. I mean, it's very cool to see the scene grow and continue to grow. And part of you thinks, like, how big can it get? And it can get pretty it fucking big. It can get big. pretty big, man. It can get pretty big because there's a lot of new people that are doing it. And they're really dedicated. Well, and if you're a young comic, this this seems way more viable than uh, a place like New York or L.A. that's super saturated. And even if you're funny, it's, just, oh, it's, yeah. hard, it's hard to get on stage, whereas mm-hmm. there's more stage time out here. There's a ton of stage time. And yeah. it's just like a, it's a different environment. And I always say that this is my girl wants to party all the time. Rick James, remember? Hey, Give me some vault. Yeah, some come volume. on. Oh, I love this shit. Oh, uh, we'll get kicked off yeah. YouTube. Really? We're back on oh, YouTube. Oh, yeah. Well, congrats on you. Uh, you know being back and the deal. Yeah. So, we, but we can't play music uh, anymore. Imagine. Gotcha. <laughs> so whack. Do you think that we should do? <laughs> my girl wants to party don't, all don't do it too good. It's the Rogan yeah, remix. Yeah. If I do it too good, it'll pick up on the algorithm. Uh, um, is there a way we can just say put the full things on Spotify and just cut out the music chunks and tell people we're doing it? Just trying to figure it out on the fly. We might have to tell people we're uh, doing I don't like being hindered by this nonsense. We, we want to hear party all the time. But it's also, it's like, what is fair use? You know, how does that work? I don't know the rulings on stuff. You should be able to talk about one of the greatest fucking things. of uh, Songs by a what, comedian. How many, how many entertainers have ever done as many things as Eddie Murphy has? That's nuts. Well, that's what's crazy. He did one or how many specials? Two, two or three two. in his all-time great. Two big album. He's all-time got an album, great. too. Beverly Hills Cop comes out i think this oh week or that's so or cool soon or dude if he wanted to do stand-up right now if he just wanted to jump back on stage right now he would start murdering of course right away murdering even watching his comedians in cars just being yeah uh, it's, it's talking a to jerry tragedy. yeah there's so many great bits in, in conversation with him great tragedy that, that guy doesn't do stand-up but he doesn't want to so whatever um, did you uh watch snl I, I watched uh, Shane's monologue. Yeah, yeah, and I watched the uh, Trump sneakers bit. It's great, man. <laughs> He's such a good sketch performer. He's like, amazing. Yeah, it's rare that someone is really good at stand up and is great at sketch like that too. He said he had a good time. He said they were, for the most part, they were cool to him. Yeah, yeah. He said it was a it was a good experience. He's glad he did it. I'm glad he did too. Um, it's one of the few times that it's been appointment viewing for SNL. You know, mm. for especially for comics and stuff. Every I bet the everyone. I oh, we're probably through the roof. Bananas. Yeah, I bet the ratings are bananas. My favorite from there uh, when he was on is that Limu Emu sketch. But it got cut for time. And I'm watching on the internet. I go, they didn't air this? This is the best sketch. Uh, well, you yeah, know. They have, you know, they, they run their show. There's a certain order and maybe the, it got cut for time or something. But when I'm watching, Ooh. I'm like, this is the best. Imagine putting together a new show every week and it not sucking. Right. What are the odds? <laughs> that's <laughs> the odds. That's so hard to do. I know. Put together a new show every week. That's so hard to do. Did that show mean anything to you growing up? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, the John Belushi days. Man, I used to watch that. If, if you watch some of those episodes now, you could never do any of what they were doing. They had some of the wildest shows. Those shows were great. The old Saturday Night Lives were fucking great. They were really fun. Well, they, that was the only place to see something like that, too. Only place. It was nuts. You know, and then In Living Color came around. Oh, man, I loved In Living Color. In Living Color I love SNL, insane. too. In Living Color was insane. People forgot how good that was. I remember I was at a pool hall the first time I saw it. It was like, um, I think it was one of those Super Bowl days where, like, they put, had In Living Color on, like, during halftime. I think it was, that was the deal. Because everybody was watching In Living Color. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was, and we were, I was like, I was watching Jim Carrey as Fire Marshal Bill. 
with his face all oh burned off. God, I'm yeah, like, this is yeah, insane. Yeah. What let me, is let this? Let me tell you something. There was nothing like that that had ever been on television before. And it was on Fox, right? Yeah. Fox took like more chances back right. then. They had The Simpsons. They had like a little wilder stuff. Married with children, right? A little oh, yeah. more racy. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, are you out of your fucking mind? It's crazy. <laughs> this, you're uh, mocking a bird victim? <clears throat> I know. On, on TV? He, that he auditioned for SNL. The show was nuts, man. How about it. Handyman? Oh, my God. He had a handicapped yeah, superhero. With Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans as Handyman was hilarious. He did a movie called Handyman. <laughs> I forgot they did a movie. Bro. Are you saying they couldn't do Handyman today, yeah, Joe? <laughs> these guys. Are you saying they couldn't do Men on Film? <laughs> yeah, the Men, men on, on Film yeah. was hilariously. Oh, oh, so oh, I got to work with David Allen Greer when uh, I did like a small guest star on Gerard's show when it was on NBC, that Carmichael show. And I was just so starstruck because like right. I grew up watching... But he's this, this thespian guy, man. Even right. before in Living Color, he was just this tremendous actor. But he has this crazy comedy gear as well. Right. But that was so cool. Wanda. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Fox. is Wanda. Oh, my God. You could never. Not a fucking million years. Did you see him come Bro, by the Dave store Sh- and stuff? Dave Chappelle talked about this, but it, it is a real thing. What? Why do they, in so many scripts, want masculine black men to dress like women? How many times has that happened? It's a thing. You know, it's a trope, right? That's a crazy trope. Uh. That's a crazy trope. When I think I don't know, remember who Dave was talking to. I forget who he's talking to, but he's explaining this. Wasn't Cat talking about that too? Where he's oh, like, yeah. "I'll can't we just rewrite it to where that's not in there?" Well, it's a real thing. I mean, how many examples are there? And who's writing it? You would think at this point it's such a cliche that you would censor yourself, be like, "Okay, this is almost hack at this point." Like, let me not put this in here. It's it's a weird thing to ask someone to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird uh-huh. thing to say, hey, that guy with all the big muscles, let's put him in a dress. It'll be and fine. Give him lipstick and give him a wig and give him high heels and call him Wanda. It's got to be tough, too, where you go, because uh, it's a big break for some people and you go, I don't want to do this. Right. Well, the Jamie Foxx one guaranteed was their idea because it's just a funny character. It's mm-hmm. just you couldn't do that today. Yeah. Right. You couldn't do that today. That would, what would that be? I'm kind of like that when it comes to like terrorist shit, you know, like because, <laughs> like, you know, when you're a young uh, performer and actor, sometimes the opportunities come through. They go, hey, will you say Allah Akbar on CSI or some shit? You know what I mean? I go, I don't know how much this helps my career, you know? <laughs> Like, how am I going to level up from saying all Akbar and just, like, disappearing? Yeah, right. So it's really not net positive, and I'm trying to be a stand-up comedian. So if I was just trying to be an actor, right. then sometimes you're stuck doing... Like, Samuel L. Jackson had to do some parts that maybe he didn't love doing early oh, on in his sure. career. Yeah. For sure, but it's just that <laughs> that particular one, getting black men to dress up like women. Yeah. That's a fucking weird one, man. That's a real one and a weird one. A weird like one. there's so many examples of it. Yeah. And if you think about white men, like muscular white men, how many times have muscular white men been asked to dress up like women for funny? Way less. Right. Fucking way less. Way more white men in movies, way less white men wearing dresses. That's crazy. You got Mrs. Doubtfire, but that's a character that he's doing. Right. That's kind of different because he's not. Because he's immersed. He looks yeah. like Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, he's all in. He's got it's rubber not a bad, outfit. Yeah. yeah. You don't even know that's Robin Williams under there. Right. 
But what was the two Wong Fu? Oh yeah, Wong? yeah. That was like they were all the drag John queens. Leguizamo. But that's drag uh, queens. Okay. A little different, right? Because all right. they're all drag queens. Right. So Wesley Snipes gets a pass oh, on that yeah, one. Wesley Snipes. Because he's one of the drag queens. Yeah, I love Wesley Snipes. But it was just Wesley in a dress. You'd be like, what the fuck is going on with this movie? <laughs> do, do you think it was initially, do you think it was initially yes. Wesley? And they and go, they say, he needs, let's, let's surround him so it's not so obvious. Let's exactly. give him some friends. Exactly. That's how you pull it off. It's like when you get condoms at the store, but then you have a banana and then like uh, some candy just to throw you uh, off the scent. That's hilarious. Leguizamo, man. I love him. He's so good. He's great in John Wick. <clears throat> oh, he's he's in that. Is that the yeah. latest one? No, he's he was in the first one. Oh, okay. He's the guy that uh, tells John Wick who killed his dog. <laughs> <laughs> I always think it's so funny, man. Like that's how much Americans just or just people in general love dogs. Where this guy's dog gets killed, and then he, John Wick murders like murdered, thousands like, of people, people, and then everyone in the movie yeah. theater is like, yeah, yeah. That, che- that checks out. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how what you it works, get. bro. Uh huh. A thousand don't, human lives. You don't for kill a, dog. a puppy, you piece of shit. It's yeah. a fucking puppy. I remember I was and trying he to, stole his car too. Don't forget that. I was trying to watch that movie with my girlfriend because I had heard it was. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, and then she's like, "No, I don't want to watch it. Like a puppy gets hurt." I go, "They don't show it. It's not like oh. the whole, like they don't show it. Like right. get you know what I mean? Right. And also, it's just a jumping off point for the movie. Right? It's not like it's a a puppy's getting worked over for two hours. <laughs> you know, like where are the diamonds, puppy? <laughs> I'm like, I'll, I'll tell you when the part's over. Right. And she just didn't even like the thought that a puppy gets hurt. Right. So she mentally couldn't ever get into John Wick. Oh, my God. Yeah. You got to get fast forward to that part. Right. I'd be like, no, the puppy lives in this version. Just past the puppy part. Yeah. Even that just wasn't enough. Get... I couldn't trick her into watching it. <sighs> I had to do a solo. <laughs> but that's like the Barbie movie for dudes. That's a good point. Yeah, it is basically the same thing uh-huh. because girls do not want to sit there and watch this handsome man assassinate one hundred fifty people. people. <laughs> but every guy does. You're like, babe, wake up! Come on, every you're guy. Miss- you're missing him, dude. There's a scene where John Wick goes into the bathhouse and uh, he's trying to kill Vigo's son, mm-hmm. and he he uh, essentially assassinates all the assassins in the ba- the bathhouse. It's like one of the most intense scenes in the history of fucking action movies. It's so good that when uh, I was doing the Sober October challenge with uh, Tom and Ari and Bert, and we had a fitness challenge, and I just stayed on the elliptical machine watching that scene like over and over and over again. This fucking scene is intense, man. The the first John Wick is absolutely my favorite John Wick. How many they are you up to now? There's four. Mm. They get a little cartoony. They're still fun, but it's a different thing. Right. Well, the, once the you get deep John in the franchise, Wick, it gets cartoony. Yeah, the first John Wick was the shit. It was the shit. Such a good movie. It's just fun. Yeah. Yeehaw. <laughs> brainless. Take, take me away, brainless, for two hours. Oh, there's a place for that. Yeah. Oppenheimer, I'm like learning all this stuff, you know? Right. <laughs> like, I feel like when, if, if they wheel, I mean, they don't wheel TVs in anymore, but when the teachers turn on Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. you know the classes are fucking lit. Oh, yeah. Because that's, that's like educational and awesome. Educational, awesome, and titties. Yeah, I think a lot of kids are going to get into science because of the fucking. That's the crazy thing about scientists, man, is that they were all like intellectual rock stars. They were like these wild renegade people. Yeah. And a lot of them did some fucking. (laughs) And I think that was also part of the appeal of being a great scientist is that you had like groupies, you know, just like singers. Well, I've noticed that about any 
uh, profession or art form, form, if you're a guy and you just excel in whatever field it is you are, there are going to be women who are attracted to that field, even if it's stamp collecting. Bro. Just women are attracted to excellence in, in no matter how niche a thing might be. Professional pool players would always bat way over their heads with girls who played pool. Hmm. Like guys who are like really good pool players, they always did way better with girls than they should have. Even stand-up. Like if I didn't have stand-up, I don't think I would bat. If I was still an engineer at Boeing. You're a handsome guy. You'd find <laughs> no, a nice girl. But comedy, comedy. You'd have a family by now. I would. You'd have a bunch of kids and a dog. I think about that. Have to get the dog trained because it runs in the street. Pretty much. Damn it. Like entertainment is such arrested development because all that, all the trappings of a traditional life are weight if you're trying to make it with a certain thing. So I think we hit these benchmarks later in life and it's hard, Mm -hmm. especially when you have like parents who there's a certain time to be doing certain things. Yeah. Right? Like I should have a house. I should have a wife. I should have kids. I should have a dog. But- to do what we do is so labor-intensive and hard, and yeah. so you, it delays your life a few years, or at least for these traditional benchmarks. Yeah, you can't. If you're going to go down this road, it's 10 years before you're any good. Yeah. It's a long-ass road. I mean, you can get pretty good before then, but to, to really like get say, like, I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think other people can listen to this. I think other people can watch this. It's like 10 years. And also to get some footing career-wise and yeah. financially. Mm-hmm. Only in the last couple of years have I felt kind of comfortable in mm-hmm. this as a profession. Because when I left Boeing, it just felt like, did I make a mistake? Cause right. You can't see the other end of the shore. Yeah. So it's it's hard operating from that space of like, is this a viable career? Um, am I have I do I have I planted enough roots in the comedy game and and like things are better now? So if you're good and you believe you're good, you got to burn the boats. Yeah, you got to burn the boats. I well, I wouldn't have been doing it if I didn't believe that I had the aptitude. If and, you have a boat yeah. <laughs> to get back to your air conditioned house and eat mangoes, you're gonna get back on the fucking boat. You got to burn the boat. Yeah. 100%. I like burn that quote the boat. in Gattaca. You, you ever watch Gattaca? It's one of my favorite movies. I watched movies. a little bit of it. It's so good. Ethan Hawke. That's, yes. And Uma Thurman. I think, yes. It's about genetics and stuff. I was confusing it with a television show. Oh, but oh. there's this poignant scene. Which one am I confusing it with? No, oh, I, I watched all that's that. That's great, too. Battlestar Galactica is fucking amazing. Gaius Baltar. Is that... that is one of the most underrated so series. The second one. I was watching it one? when it was on sci-fi and they were shooting like it in Vancouver. The movie about CRISPR before CRISPR existed. Gattaca. That's so good, it. man. That's right. Um, so there's two brothers. One of them is geneti- genetically designed and everything. Right. He has all the gifts of technology. And then Ethan Hawke is like a natural baby, which is kind of a, a second-class citizen. Yeah, so they're kind of the shut. They, they clean. They're like janitors and stuff. And there's this point in the movie where they used to race or they used to swim and uh, the genetically superior brother would always beat the the natural baby, Ethan Hawke. And then when they, they kind of lose touch and at the end they do it one last time, you know. And so Ethan Hawke is winning and, and this isn't supposed to be happening. And he's like, how are you doing this? And he's like, I never saved anything for the swim back. And just that Whoa. quote, it just fucking hits me. Oof. Because he's doing what's not supposed to be happening, you know? Jesus. It's yeah. a good movie. It's my movie. favorite. I mean, if there's one takeaway from me doing Joe Rogan podcast, it's watch Gattaca. One time I showed it to a girlfriend. I don't think I've seen like this whole it. movie. I think this is one of those movies that I started and something happened. I got distracted and I stopped Please watching Please watch it. I will. I have so many of them, man. I, know. I can't keep up. I can't keep up. I did watch Oppenheimer, though. 
fucking fascinating. Yeah, I didn't know him and Einstein were boys. That was cool. I didn't know they talked at a pond that much. Yeah. I wonder how much that's legit. You know, you can it write looks a lot good. Of, it looks good. You can write a lot of nonsense into a movie right. after someone's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, bitches ain't shit. Right. Well, I never said that. I never fucking Einstein said that. I didn't say that. <laughs> I mean, you could like, really, you could kind of like paint a person. For sure. You know. That was a thing that a big criticism that people had from uh, the Bruce Lee scene in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But that was obviously comedy. Mm-hmm. That was interesting sort when that, that really? No. I read of, it as comedy. No, Tarantino kind of defended it. You know, he said that Bruce Lee was like known for being very arrogant. And he said something about he would, he'd beat Muhammad Ali in a fight. I'm like, that's crazy. If you really said that, that's so insane. He's a cocky <laughs> Bruce guy. Lee was 135 pounds. Muhammad Ali uh, at the time was 220, 225, the greatest boxer of all time. Yeah. <laughs> heavyweight, knocking out heavyweights. Yeah, with, that would have been a great UFC match. Especially Ali versus. If you're talking about him in like 1967 before they made him retire for three years, he was insanely good. Like, if you want to watch how good Muhammad Ali was, watch Muhammad Ali in 1967 when he fights Cleveland Big Cat Williams. I always tell him, watch that fight. Because Cleveland Williams is this murderous puncher, and Muhammad Ali is putting on a show. He's dancing and moving like you can't believe. Like, no heavyweight before him remotely moved like him. It's so hard to put it in perspective now Mm -hmm. because we think about fighters now like we've seen so many great heavyweights. We've seen so many great welterweights and light heavyweights in this. The world of boxing, we have so much footage. But back then, in 1967... There's nobody doing that. Where's your footage? Where you what? You you're gonna get a projecting screen and sit down? <laughs> if it's not on TV, yeah. you're not gonna see it. So you watch whatever the fuck they show you on TV, and no one had ever seen a guy move like that, especially in the heavyweight division. He moved like Sugar Ray Robinson, who was a 147 pounder. Is there anyone comparable? You would say nowadays no. like that? No, there's no one. There's no one comparable in terms of like how different they were than everyone before them. He was so different. Could you please show me some of the Cleveland Big Cat Williams Muhammad Ali highlights? Bro, he was so different. He would knock guys out moving backwards. You know, he he decided when he would take it up a notch. He he put put different paces on you. Pop the jab on you, move, make you miss a bunch of times, make you feel stupid, drop his hands, pop you again, pop you again. Move around, move around. You can't catch him. And when you're thinking about boxing in 1967, there's no heavyweights that move like this. They don't exist, man. This guy is a freak. So everybody before him moves like Cleveland does, you know, moving forward, looking to land the big power shots. And look how big Cleveland was. Jesus Christ, is he jacked. Look at the fucking arms on that guy. Murderous puncher. Very dangerous guy. And Ali's just dancing in front of him, just shuffling and dancing. Just out of range, and then eventually he starts catching them. Just starts tuning them up. Scooch ahead a little bit here. So once he gets loose, he starts opening up with combinations, and he moves away, and Cleveland moves forward, and he pops him with a jab, pops him with a hook. And now Cleveland's befuddled, right? Because now, you know, I can't hit this fucking guy, and he can hit me anytime he wants, which is just 
that's not how boxing is in the heavyweight division. Yeah, you have big power punchers with big jabs and guys with great technique. You got Joe Lewis and you know you got Floyd Patterson. You got all these different great heavyweights, but none of them fight like this fucking guy. None of them Do fight they just like slowly this guy. Charge kind of was the style before Ali, just sort of like well, slow and steady. Well, everybody was just power punchers in the heavyweight division. They just move forward. They would throw good jabs. They had good boxing fundamentals, but they didn't move with the footwork like that. That footwork was insane. So if you're standing in front of them, the realization after three or four rounds of this is like, I can't take too many more of these. He's not hitting me with one knockout punch, but he's hitting me 150 times in the face. And he's hitting me in a way that I can't hit him back. Look at this popping this jab, just moving and effortlessly. He would run oh, miles shit. backwards. Here's the one, two. That's it. That's the beginning of it. He would run miles backwards. Backwards. Run backwards. So just insane cardio, too. Insane cardio. Insane up. dedication. So this is the one of the most tragic, from a, boxer's, a, a boxing fan's perspective, one of the most tragic things in boxing is that they took it away from him for three years, and he was never really this guy again. Mm. This guy that you see here in 67, he stopped training. When he came back and, and, and fought after that, he just didn't look like the same guy. He wasn't the same guy physically. He didn't you know, maintain his training during those three years off. Look at that, dude. Look how good he was. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding That's me? Nuts. So that was like the most revolutionary thing in boxing, like that guy in 1967. Like one of the most revolutionary things ever, to see a heavyweight move like that. And then you got Tyson in the 80s. Yeah, well, and then he was out of his prime, too, for a bit, right? Yep. Was, yeah, but he had already... Was he saved by the bell right here? I thought this was the end of the fight. No, it's not. He gets up. The... <laughs> Bro, they just let people fucking... They That's... let people just be out cold. Right, there's like the famous photo, though, right? Where he's standing over him? Or is that no, no, that's the Sonny Liston photo. Oh, okay. That's when he knocked yeah. Sonny Liston out in Lewiston, Maine, and they said it was a fixed fight. And it looks a little suspicious. Uh, Have you ever seen that one? No. Knowing that a lot of people suspect that this is a fake fight and that Liston really wasn't hurt that bad that he took a dive, watch this. Okay. Because you watch like how he's trying to get up. You're like, as a person who's seen a lot of people get knocked out, I've seen probably more people that get knocked out. Watch it. Here's the right hand. It's a solid right hand. Absolutely mm -hmm. legit. No doubt about it. But watch how Liston goes down. So a lot of people said that it was a phantom punch. It's not a phantom punch. It's an absolute, watch this, over the top, boom. See the mm -hmm. jaw shift? That's a real punch. That's a real knockdown. That's not a dive. But what happens is when Liston goes down, so he throws his jab, Ali comes over the top, and bang. That's a 100% legit punch. But when Liston goes down, that's when it gets shenanigans. See if they scoot ahead to watch. If they, Is this just, it's just a punch? Okay, just, a punch. just show me the actual knockout. There it is. Is that it? It's you got to see so you got to see when he gets up, because when he gets up, that's when it looks fake. When he gets up, when he's down. No, this is like a bunch of different fights. See if you can find it. Did you box, or you're always doing? Uh... I did some kickboxing. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Right here. So he not he hits him. He knocks oh. him down. Now watch, watch. He goes down. Now this is where it gets a little shenanigan-y. So I'm watching him roll around. He gets to his knees, and he falls back down again. It just looks uh. a little like he's not trying to stop himself from going to his back. It looks a little funky. 
It looks a little funky. So, like, he gets up, and look, he's looking away. He's not even looking at Ali. So they're not deciding yet whether or not the fight is stopped. And now Ali is fucking teeing off on him. And then they stop the fight. It was very shenanigan right. You know? It looked a little shenanigan He made contact, though. I don't know. But it's also, like, the humiliation that Liston suffered from the first fight. The first fight was 100% legit. Yeah. And the first fight when he fought Sonny Liston, Sonny Liston was this murderous puncher, man. He was one of the most murderous punchers ever. He fucked up Floyd Patterson so bad. He was so dangerous. He was so scary. And he was a thug. Like, he was a crazy dude. Like, during one of the press conferences, see if you can find this. Uh, Ali was talking crazy shit. Liston pulled out a fucking gun. He pulled out a gun and shot through the fucking ceiling. Are these and people everybody being, scrambled? Are they legit nutty like that, or is this partly PR for the fight? Like, if I shoot a gun, this will no, draw eyeballs. No, 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 no. That was who Sonny Liston was, mm. and what Muhammad Ali was doing was trying to get into his head. And a bum through a bullhorn. Shoots blanks. Here it is. situation finally came to a head when Clay approached Liston at the Desert Inn in Las Vegas, where the champ was shooting craps and losing. Liston was in no mood to be harangued by the mouth from the south. Oh, shit. Frightening his young tormentor into a hasty retreat. The gun was filled with blanks. Yo. <laughs> he just put it in his, in his coat pocket Yo. to prove it's a blank. I'd be terrified, dude. By the way. Those can still kill you. Like people that yeah. put blanks up to their head, the force of the gas coming out of the barrel of the gun can kill you, and it has killed people. A guy did it on a set once. He, he you know, was Jeez. just fucking around with a blank. And they, have, they have so much protocol whenever there's a gun. Bro, that's set. so scary. Move quick. Yeah, look how fast his fucking reflexes were. He dodged a bullet. Yeah, like <laughs> legitimately. No, he's talking <laughs> shit. He dodged yeah. fast, bro. But. He would constantly talk shit at every press conference. It got so bad to the point where it, it, when they did his, uh, like, the weigh-in thing, like, after the weigh-in, his heart rate was so high, his blood pressure was so high that they had to calm him down or they weren't going to let him fight. Because he just, like, worked himself up into a frenzy to fuck with Liston. He would show up in front of Liston's house and yell on his front lawn. Like, he... <laughs> Climbed into that dude's head. Oh, I'm sure. How crazy <laughs> to be that gifted as a fighter and that gifted as a shit talker as well. Unprecedented shit talker. Yeah. No one before him did poetry. No one <laughs> did rhymes. Like, you don't understand. He did his work to get inside his head. My parents were hippies and they had to watch when Muhammad Ali was rematching Leon Spinks because on television. That's how much of like a cultural icon that guy was. Because he stood against the Vietnam War, and that's why he lost three years of his career when he was in his prime. In 1967, he's like, I'm not going to Vietnam. He goes, no Viet Cong ever did shit to me. Yeah. I'm not doing this. And they took away his ability to box for three years. And, you know, my parents were, like, very anti-war. They, they were like, this is our guy. Mm -hmm. Like, the whole country was like, this, this is a, a person who represented sense. He made sense when the world was going crazy and they were talking people into fighting this nonsense war in Vietnam and you could possibly lose your life or lose a leg or lose a friend or lose your father or lose your, what? And he was like, fuck that. And he was right. 
Yeah. Was it one of those things that it took years to get clarity on it like, as a collective whole of society, whereas at the time he's probably raked over the coals, right? A hundred percent. There was a lot of people that didn't. Look, you, you, we'd, uh, we had associated wars before Vietnam with these just wars, like World War One and World War Two. We thought of those as just wars, like you're trying to stop evil. There's a guy who's hopped up on meth in Germany, and he mm -hmm. literally, literally hopped yeah, up on meth. That was a simple one. Trying to take over the world. That's a simple one. These are just wars, right? Uh, by the way, they're not simple. They're, they're right, super right. complicated, and there's a lot of... But in terms of cartoony bad yes, guys? bad guy, good guy. We're the good guys, and, and we like to think of ourselves like that. So when we're at war, if we're at war to stop communism in Vietnam, we... At the time, I think collectively there was a lot of like hardcore fucking blue collar Republican type people that were like, yeah, you got to do what the fuck you have to do to protect freedom. Right. And you got but then they didn't know that the whole thing was staged. They didn't know that that Gulf of Tonkin incident was a false flag just to justify us getting into that crazy ass war for who knows what reason. But there's a lot of them, yeah. a lot of reasons. So now people have a different sort of feeling when it comes to war. So you think that was the first At this time point, I would like became... to play Fuck a War by the Ghetto Boys, <laughs> but uh, uh, Spotify will allow this, and uh, do you know that song? Maybe if I heard it. Bro, give me a little bit of this. Willie wrote that in 45 minutes. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, it's how do you write that It's a fucking great song, man. It's a great song, and it's so, it's right. He's right. Yeah. He's right, and, you know. It's interesting to see the evolution of rap, you know, like- when it started, it was, it was like very socially conscious and stuff. I know they're still they're still doing that, mm -hmm. but in terms of what becomes popular on a like pop scale for rap, do you know Russ at all? It's interesting hearing him talk about. It. He's this hip hop artist who's like independent. He was on uh, Flagrant talking about rap and like what happens is a certain type of rap gets popular and then it move it becomes uncool or you move to the next thing. Like being socially conscious is cool, and then just having fun and wiling out is cool, and then what's the next phase, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like it doesn't exist. It just becomes smaller piece of the larger genre pie. Mm. And now rap is so big, there's sub-genres of it, like rock, you know? There's indie rock, There's and now there's emo rap, there's... Well, there always kind of was different genres, even back in the day. Like, I was always a big De La Soul fan. Yeah, same. Three's the magic number? That's a jam, son. Yeah. That's a jam. And that was very different. Very different kind of hip-hop. But now it's getting so granular, mm -hmm. like even more so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's just kind of interesting. I was like, oh, yeah. Did Remember like third base? How did third base? Were they pop white guys? goes the weasel because the weasel goes pop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, they're white guys. You don't remember that? Did one of the flat top? They had like a diss <laughs> track against uh, Vanilla Ice. I, yeah, I like that battle. That's fun. Pop goes the weasel. <laughs> And vanilla is the weasel. <laughs> it's people that go pop. People, you know, they were hardcore. Third base. Yeah. Oh, Giannis is talking about this. What's interesting on... is that dude eventually went on to host a daytime talk show. Which, what was it about? Which is like the poppiest thing of all time. Like a Ricky Lake type thing? Yeah, like one of them things. Did he have the flat top? He, I believe he kept the flat top <clears throat> when he hosted his That's show. That's impressive, though. That's an impressive flat top. It's a serious flat top. I don't even know how you get that going on as a white guy. There must be some products involved. MC Search. MC Search. They're good, though, man. Third Base was good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They had some great jams. And MC Search had a great, great album himself, too. It was great. They were good, but for, for whatever reason, the white guy rapper, there's only one. <laughs> well, I, oh, mean, yeah. I the, mean, the big one, what, Eminem? Eminem. Yeah. Yeah. There's other ones. You know, well, there's other great white rappers. Don't get me wrong. 
But uh, he had to be so technically proficient. And it's amazing what he had to do to be able to be accepted. He right. needed the vouch. He needed to have the skill set that he has. Right. Because before him, I think young people don't realize. That's what's kind of cool about the younger generation, like Gen Z and stuff, is yeah. they just like art. They don't care what your vessel is. Right. Like there's a rapper, Rich mm. Brian. He's he's Asian. And like he's great at rapping, you know? But he's like an Asian kid. Whereas before you weren't able to receive um, music from a vessel that looks different than what the right. norm is. Well, and then there was uh, my man Everlast, House mm-hmm. Pain. That was the best of like the white rap bands yeah. by far. House of Pain was awesome. Dude, jump around. Oh, jump around. To this yeah. day, when that song comes out for the UFC, when someone comes out as that song for a walk-in song, that is a great fucking walk-in song. That's a great I'm in the gym song. You know, that's a great driving song. That's a let's fucking go song. That's a let's fucking go song. Oh, Come on, oh just son. hearing those, you know what it is yeah. immediately. Uh, uh, and then the, that's it. That's all we get. Ah. That's all we get. God damn it, it YouTube. Have been too much. I don't know. Fuck. This is the beautiful freedom that we have on Spotify. I think we're going to start doing that, Jamie. I'm not going to Just compromise. Spotify exclusives. Yeah, just have little clips. Cut it out for YouTube. People the, know. Yeah. We'll know. We'll put the full one out on Spotify. The vibe corner. God damn it, these rules. So what is fucking rules? How bro? is the new deal different than like no what you're more Hamas talk? It's <laughs> the new deal. It's a big part of it. <laughs> that makes the sense. That makes sense. Yeah. The After the election pops. cycle, then yeah, then I could discuss go back to it. The bombings, right? Yeah. Um, it's just going to be everywhere now. Well, it's going to be on Apple, um, Amazon, and YouTube as well as on Spotify. That's pretty great. That's yeah, awesome. It's cool. So it's kind of like the way it was before the move to Spotify. Like you're getting some pretty of much. The, yeah, pretty much. But my deals with Spotify, right? So Spotify and our like it's instead of, you know, they have a vested interest in being, it being successful everywhere. Uh huh. So we're all in it together. Oh, is that the thought? Like, okay, yeah. we're drawing people in via Apple Podcast, these different YouTube, right? And it just and draws they'll, back. They'll to... make money off of it being on the other shows too. Oh, okay, it's all good. It's good for everybody. Yeah, it's good. And it's uh, wider distribution is good. And it's just like, look, people get attached to certain platforms. Some people are super attached to Apple. And I used to be as well. I used to get all my podcasts on Apple. It was uh, super convenient. It uploads automatically. Mm-hmm. You know, you can set it like that. So, you know, when the new episodes are up, it's perfect. Works great. Um, so I get if they didn't want to switch over and listen to Spotify. I, get, I mean, I knew that when we first started doing it. I was like, a lot of people are going to be like, sorry. Yeah. There's a lot of shit to listen to, which is great. Right. It's a fucking great time if you're interested in listening to stuff. I mean, the amount of audiobooks available are fucking insane. It's insane. There's You could never go bored. Mm-hmm. You will always get entertained or educated or something. There's so many of them. But the amount of podcasts now, are it's bonkers. There's like five million podcasts. Yeah. I remember years ago talking to Ari at the store. This this is maybe like when podcasting was 2.0 or I'm like, ah, everyone has a podcast. And he's like, everyone has a TV show. They don't stop making TV shows. And that was really eye-opening to me too. Like mm. just because there's a lot of them doesn't mean there's no place for new ones. And Bro, it's... I used to tell so many people to do a podcast that it was um, a meme. That it was annoying. <laughs> I was telling everyone to do a podcast. And I wasn't right. You, you. <laughs> I wasn't correct. Like, I want to apologize to society. I fucked for... up a couple of times. Uh-huh. But I, I felt like, and I do feel like, 
I don't think it's I don't think it's the easiest road, but I think if you're a person who's interesting to talk to, you could find other people that are also interesting to talk to and sit down and people enjoy it. It's like you can do it. Right. But it's going to take some work. So yeah. if you dedicate yourself to it and try to figure out what you're doing wrong, what you're doing right, what makes you annoying, what's what's more interesting, if you do it right, like treat it like having any other thing, you'll get better at it. But it's not going to come easy. Yeah. There's too many of them out there. But it, it does. It's free. It's free. You could just do it. You could just upload it to YouTube. It doesn't cost that much. Right. To and put it's, together. It's not like you're filming a sitcom and it costs so much a soundstage. The overhead right. is so low to do a podcast. So yeah. it's it's worth the trial of doing it. And also I think just in the stand-up space, it's a great two-hander because – you don't always put a special out all the time, and like being able to check in with your fans week to week, yeah, they like that. Uh, just being a part of your life and stuff, and then they kind of want to know what your baseline is off stage as well, because then they feel closer to you as a performer. You know, yeah, like access is the new mystery. I feel like in entertainment, mm. whereas before it was like, oh, Humphrey Bogart or these starlets, you you only got glimpses of what they were, and but now that's almost like a kiss of death. You have to be like, hey guys, here I am. I'm. You know, I'm at uh, Whole Foods. I'm getting, you know, like, access. They want to feel like, oh, I know them. You know, that's right. valuable. Yeah. The only guy who's not who doesn't have to play that game anymore is, like, Daniel Day-Lewis. He, he, can, <laughs> he, makes he can make shoes. <laughs> like, no one's telling Daniel Day-Lewis to live tweet Well, there's his certain movie. actors that are on the fringes, right? Not on the fringes, meaning, they're, they're, like, everybody knows who they are. But they might not be the first pick for a big project. Right, and the only way they think they can keep their name out there is to do stuff. So they have to get photographed on red carpets, and they have to sometimes they like tell the paparazzi where they're going to be. Yeah, like, they like work things. They have publicists that set things up so you can casually see them, you know, doing something. You know, like fucking intimate, <laughs> like working out on the beach. Yeah, you know, yeah. some shit like, like that. Oh, you guys are here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how crazy! I look great. I'm oiled up. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what, what are the odds? Yeah, there's some silliness to it, but I, I get it. It's a business. It's a, your your business is you, and this is a business decision that you're making. I get it, but it's just like that's a different thing than comics, you know. With with us, the best like the best thing that we have going on is like this network of all of us. That's the best thing we have going on, because now instead of relying on like Comedy Central to tell you who's good, or it's it's a total meritocracy, and it's almost always entirely based on are you funny and are you fun? Mm -hmm. Are you fun to hang around with? Yeah. And if you're funny and fun to hang around with, yay, we're all going to have fun. And yeah. that's great for everybody. It's, it's great awesome, for the people man. that are listening. <laughs> it's great for us. It's I'm great so to keep fortunate. the art form popping. That, that it's shifted this way. Yeah. And now this is like a viable release route for me. Like I have the special coming out. I get to do this. I get to do Bad Friends. I you get don't have to, to be chosen. You don't have to be chosen. And yeah. also, like, who better than other comedians to know what's what in the field? Right. It, we're, we don't have any agenda. We're, we're in the streets. We see what's going on. Whereas sometimes you get so high up at these corporations, they just, they're like, okay, we need this demo. We need this person. This guy's from this agency. That's a favor. There's all this fuckery. A lot of fuckery. There's so much fuckery. They, sh they should not be in control of this art form. Well, they, it's not their art form. It's our art form. It's the audience's art form. You're seeing the cracks now. It's yeah. crumbling. I mean... I have no management now. Like, I like it that way. I just have an agency. And I, I'm getting approached sometimes, but, like, we're at a point in entertainment and culture and stuff where, like, what value does, like, a 90s-type manager have anymore? Because, like, the blueprint is different now. Like, these Hollywood opportunities don't help me as a stand-up comedian anymore. It depends on what kind of a manager you have. 
So if you have a really good manager, a really good manager is very beneficial because they can strategize with you about what you do Uh and what the pros and cons of what you do are and what's the best business decision and how do you feel artistically about your set now? Have we thought about holding off for six months? You have people that are confidants. Yeah, there's you... there's value in that yeah. if you find the right person and they're keyed into what you're doing. But sometimes you go places, you're just part of a roster. Yes. Like they're just... The, there's a problem in the same thing. It's like factory farming. They're factory farming comedy. They, they, yeah. they try to get as many comics as they they're can. They're collecting you. Yeah. They're collecting you and hoping you pop. Exactly. And, and they, then they just siphon off some 10%. Yeah. But when you're a young comic and you're coming up, the idea of being in a management company is a fucking huge deal. It's like, yeah. And it is an opportunity, too, because they can get you some things that you're not going to get without it. For sure. Also, you have get to... you booked at improvs. They'll get you some good gigs. So, it, like, also where you are in your career. Like, I've... I've I'm deep. I'm, like I have a lot of connections. Like You're deep. Bro. I'm deep, dude. You I know you. Deep. I'm. You know. I'm texting you. You should. You should write that. That should be a new special. I'm, I'm deep, deep, bro. <laughs> Lance can't what stop us. You? I'm deep, bro. I'm deep, bro. What, That's it. We're making I'm, this happen. I'm deep, bro. I'm deep, bro. The the bro instantly <laughs> negates the I'm deep. Is what I love. Does I'm it though? Deep, bro. I mean, uh, Elon Musk can say it. Yeah, people believe him though. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. He's like, like he can uh, say, I'm, I'm deep, bro. I'm deep, bro. He can say so deep. But some people still mock him. It's hilarious to me. Yeah. They call him the stupidest smart guy alive. I'm like, okay. Are you going to get a Neuralink? <laughs> are you going to be like a hype beast just no. sitting in line I waiting will to get when I know that it's inevitable. I yeah. will give up just like all of us will. Just like the people that wouldn't wear shoes forever. And they're like, all right, shoes uh, are Shoes better. are pretty good. They're way better than no yeah. shoes. Fucking stepping on rocks and shit. Right. Cuts that, on your feet. I, I think it's just funny. Die the, from infections. The guy who's waiting it out. Like, all right, I'll do shoes now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Looks Guys get cool. to a certain point. He's like, yeah, they were right. You can run away from cats. <laughs> yeah, I don't have Toxo. I don't have Toxo anymore. I think at a certain point in time, everyone's going to get something. There's going to be some benefits to whatever it is, some interface, whether you wear it or whether it's a part of your body. There's going to be benefits that you can't get without it. Have, have you done uh, Apple Vision Pro yet? I have not. I am scared. About I am that? Scared. I am scared of Apple Vision Pro. Oh, uh, how so? Let's I don't want to be walking around my fucking house. Are you afraid you're going to like things. it? A hundred percent. I'm afraid I'm going to be sitting in my office watching movies instead of doing shit that I should be doing. They show images of people on a plane with an Apple Vision Pro. Mm-hmm. I would just be so mortified to have that strapped to my head on a plane. You oh, know I would mean? definitely strap it to my head on a plane. Really? Yeah, man. You're on a fucking plane. Wouldn't you rather watch a giant 3D movie? It's just so... It just looks You can so watch silly. Avatar in 3D on this fucking plane yeah. while you're smelling that guy next to you's farts. Right. That is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the fucking yeah. jungle and all of a sudden you're like, Jesus Christ. It's just funny uh, to think about uh, Apple Vision uh, Pro and then going like... Oh, oh bro. Fuck. Smelling people's farts on planes. It's one of the worst parts about flying. Well, you ever get a seat that's right next? I mean, not anymore for you, but like you're next to the lavatory. You're like, oh, oh great. Yeah. Smelling poop particles poop. the whole fucking time. Just breathing in poop steam. Yeah, sometimes I don't I don't book a seat because it'll be extra if you do it ahead of time. And then you just, if you leave it to the machine, sometimes you get fucked. Bro, dropping a log on a public flight is a nightmare. Yeah, that's like Joker shit. It's a nightmare. You get in there and you got to drop a log. It's kind There's of people waiting to get in. It's kind of thrilling. If, if you've ever shit on a plane, <laughs> it's the pinnacle of technology. Kind of. You like fuck the wheel. Being able to shit in the sky. Yeah. Sometimes I think about like, man, what if the plane was see through or something? You know what's wild is that sometimes 
when that shit, you know, it basically freezes into like a brick. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like people have been hit by it. They just drop it? I don't know how they dispose of it normally, mm. but I know that like people's houses have been hit by shit bricks. But they get a nice little payout, huh? I would hope you get a good payoff if frozen <laughs> shit from 250 passengers falls from yeah. the sky and hits your fucking house. You just have a neck brace. Oh my god! Uh, yeah. A frozen piece of shit from a Delta flight rocked me, but I got I got the money I deserve. How do they normally get rid of that stuff, Jamie? They probably I would imagine they pump have, it when they land. or something. I would imagine that's how they do it now. Yeah, but I do know that there's at least one story that I read about a, a house that got hit with a rock of shit. <laughs> Like it just, like it a might have been some irresponsible fucking cargo plane. They like they, they Dave Matthews did. <laughs> Remember that story when they dropped a bunch of shit like from the tour bus and it landed on some people. The Dave Matthews really? tour bus. Yeah, they got they got in trouble for that. Yeah, they yeah. dumped shit from their tour bus. I don't think Dave they Matthews greenlit it, but whoever was riding it was them. over the Chicago River, I think. Oh, like they emptied the bilge tube and it just like. I might have even gotten people that were in one of those boats that went underneath it. I'll what an honor, though. Dave Matthews shit drenching you. Like, if you're a huge fan, Bro, how that, cool. I hope that guy got fired. That's the crazy roadie that gets some pills. <laughs> I, He's but, like, I ain't going to fucking <laughs> dump. Okay, I'm getting rid of that shit right here in the river, bro. There's a plaque there. Here you go. The pr- so that's plaque, where it happened. It, it, it shows it. The afternoon of August 8th, 2004... At this very location, the Dave Matthews Band tour bus emptied the septic tank yeah. over the Chicago River. Drenching passengers on a boat. <laughs> Drenching passengers on a boat tour with 800 pounds of human poop. No one died that day, but many <laughs> wish they had. There you go. Wow. That's so much poop. The poop falling from the sky thing here is interesting. Well, so, that, but hold on. Oh, but just that right, one that's right. real. <laughs> I've right. been on that boat tour. Could you imagine you just open the pipe over the water on yeah. a bridge? Well, just bad timing. People's? What if those people weren't there? Would they have gotten away with Did it? Did he even check? That's a good point. How do you not know? How do you not know? There's not a boat filled with a tour of people. Because it's an what are archi- the odds? It's, it's architectural tour. You're you're taking in all these wonderful oh, buildings. You get drenched with shit <laughs> yeah. from the sky. Do you think you feel better when you find out it's a Dave Matthews though? Because you just think it's a rando shit. Well, you think you're getting paid. That's a good point. How did that go down? There had to be a lawsuit, right? The, oh, I thought I had something. They go. You can come to uh, a concert. You got eight. Months of probation, 150 hours community service. Stephen Wool, bro. $10,000 fine, which and is then, paid to the Friends of Chicago nothing. River. That's it. I would do it again for that price. They were not on the bus. The, the <laughs> bus, which is reportedly being used by the band violinist Boy Tinsley, was not occupied at the time of the incident. The Dave Matthews Band eventually agreed to pay $200,000 to settle a lawsuit filed by State Attorney General Lisa Madigan. Wool never drove a bus for the <laughs> band again. <laughs> I almost feel like we're watching a movie, a ma- yeah, and it's exactly. like the end of the text. Exactly. It's like, Wool never drove a it's bus like stand again. Stand by me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you see the credits after that. Someone exactly. please do a biopic on this bus driver. Bro, imagine if they didn't fire him. Imagine they're like, hey, people make mistakes. Yeah. You got good pills, yeah, though. Yeah. <laughs> keep, keep driving that bus, bro. I vouch for him. He had one slip-up. He It he's, was a mistake. He's great in every other regard. He pressed the wrong button. Don't judge this poop thing. And dump poop 800 pounds of it. Ooh. Bro, how about drain that thing before it gets to 800 that's pounds? A lot, yeah. How many people are shitting in there? That's 800. Reading the thing about the planes, I've never even thought of this, mm. and this is disgusting. Cruise lines. 
Oh God! That's they just so dump much it in shit. The ocean? That there's apparently a law. For example, sewage needs to be treated if it's going to be flushed within three miles of the coastline. Oh my God! But, but when is, they're out in the middle of nowhere, yeah, they just I've never flush it. About average that. cruise ship generates an average of twenty-one thousand gallons of sewage and a hundred and seventy thousand gallons of what they call gray water. Oh my! Which is God. water from the drains of sinks, showers, laundry machines, and has all sorts of stuff. It's a mini Fukushima. All over the ocean. They just send in the just elderly Japanese people to fix the septic leak in there. That's a mini Fukushima everywhere in the ocean. Oh, and on the space station, since urine is 90% water, they kind of reuse some of it, it says. Oh, good they recycle Lord. it. They re- yeah, they recycle the water since to a processor. That's less disgusting. I know, it is. But, but the... Man. Have you done cruise ship? Stand up on a cruise no. ship? No! No. Yeah. You want to hear something crazy? They took cargo boats, and for the UN climate change standards, they changed the emission standards of these cargo boats, and a very unexpected thing happened. The the water temperature got warmer because there's less haze in the sky. So the haze in the sky was actually cooling things off. So the fucking pollution from these cargo ships, the, the diminishing of the pollution from the cargo ships actually made the water warmer. Huh. Yeah, the total opposite thing that they wanted to happen happened. And then what do they do? Just like whoops, <laughs> whoops, whoops. <laughs> we had a theory, which is what a lot of this like climate change speculation is all about. Whoops, there's a lot of oh, well, we didn't see that coming. Yeah, you know, what scares the fuck out of me, dude, is a uh, ice age. An ice age scares the fuck out of me because that's not a there's not a goddamn thing you could do about it. I'm not happy if the world gets warmer and we lose, lose California. But, you know, mm-hmm. move in. Move in. <laughs> fucking, this is the reason why Atlantis is at the bottom of the ocean, kids. Okay, things change. Things I, uh, change. Adjust and move. I was okay? here when there was that uh, blizzard in Austin. I was out Let's here. not bring in a goddamn ice age. Yeah. When these crazy fuckers are talking about spraying things in the sky to cool the earth down, like, hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Let's talk this through first. The whole fucking planet, not you wacky dudes talking to strange scientists in the middle of the Pentagon. Like, let's all talk this through. Before we do anything. Let's all talk this through before you spray the sky to cool the earth off Whoa. and bring in hell. Bring in the White Walkers. <laughs> what, what, what? It's going to turn into Game of Thrones. The last thing you want is it to get colder. That is the fucking last thing you want. Take it from a guy who's been camping. In Montana, yeah, you do not want to be in the cold. You don't. You don't want it. You don't want fucking mile high caps of ice over most of North America like it was ten thousand years ago. Are you stupid? <laughs> it gets to like fifty in LA, and I'm like, this is cold. This is not bad. Like what we got going on. If this is like, this is not bad. If it gets a little warmer, it's not as good. But we're gonna be okay. We can sort out warming. Right. And the fucking the ocean levels is kind of the same. Like, what happened to all that uh, Al Gore stuff? Remember from that movie? <laughs> An Inconvenient oh, Truth? Oh, yeah. I thought Miami's going to be underwater that, that did by really now. Well, right? I thought we Everyone were fucked. That what, were the, what were the predictions? Because they were kind of crazy. And none of them came true. Like, we'd be swimming in this podcast. We'd be right fucked. Now. Just... We'd be done. We'd be done. Yeah, this is too low. We're only at like 1,500 feet above sea level. Huh. I can tell you. Oh, I'm not wearing my Garmin oh. watch. I have a watch that'll tell you where you're at. Really? Pretty dope. I just do the Apple Watch. Pretty dope to the know. The Apple Watch is kind of like the Prius of watches. Like, people can't tell if you're rich or poor. 
Well, right? Apple Watch is a great watch, and the Ultra is the shit. That Apple Watch Ultra, Red Band, oh, has yeah. that. Uh, that is the How shit. How is it different than like what I got? It's just bigger, more battery, um, more features, a larger screen. It's a little bit more like I'm a robot. Uh, this is so dumb, but like the biggest feature I use on this watch is like when I'm cooking, and I'm like, set timer for two minutes. Like mm, I'm Dick Tracy. Right. I use it for laundry. I just use it as a timer. That's like the big sell to me. Well, you know, Red Band is like a giant he's tech a, I, I imagine he's on an Apple Vision right now. Yeah, most likely. The most earliest adopter. He has a well, Neuralink right now, I'm sure. He'll get that for sure. Yeah. He'll he'll be the first to take to try it out. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like it, it, it's got some kinks. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, bleeding. Probably should have waited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably should have waited until uh, they, they're going to fix it. I'm though. giving some notes to Elon, but, uh, yeah. but, but it's good. I'm glad I did it. If you do get it, you will have such an advantage. That's the problem. If it does work, the thing is like <clears> if it works <throat> and what are the side effects and what? how long does it last and what if it breaks and what if Russia hacks it? <laughs> You're speaking Russian. What <laughs> if they hack it? What if like the moment... It gets to a certain number of people that have it. China flips the switch. I mean, just something ha- being in your brain is such a big sell, right? Like That's it's not a hard a thing, sell. It's, it's a hard sell. That's a fucking hard sell. But then there's toxoplasmosis, which is in there for 40% of us. What is plasmosis? The stuff we talked about earlier, the cat thing. Ah. Toxo. Fuck. You just willingly get, willingly get toxo? Uh, yeah, maybe the, the, the cell phone thing will be like a neurological, electronic toxo. What what is the promise of Neuralink? Well, initially, the first person that they did it on, which is fairly recently, is a person who's paralyzed, and through Neuralink, he can now move a cursor around, and he can do things, and and he's going to be able to like express himself, he, the way Elon said, at the speed of a carnival barker. Wow. Able, yeah, he'd be able to. Those like, guys are fast. They're fast. Very fast. Very yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea is that he'll be able to communicate. Which is for a person who's been paralyzed and can't operate a, a cursor huge. or a computer is huge, right? So, hmm. so that's one thing. The they eventually think they may be able to use it to let people who have been paralyzed move, like a walk again. Yeah. What is the work that's been done on that specifically, Jamie? Let's see. I don't want to talk out of school. The people being able to eventually, they hope that it'd be able to restore movement. To people with uh, nerve damage. Right now, I think there's still, when I've looked this up online, there's a little bit of a pushback from some people. Of course. Because the only way that this has been announced that it works is just Elon's tweet. There hasn't been any other proof, I guess, if you will. I'm all in. If Elon tweeted it, it's got to be legit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's a wild boy. He's so wild. He just tweets things. Does he come by the club a lot? He's been the club. Has he been in the club? I imagine he's so he's busy. A lot I, of the I doubt he's shows. Like hanging there every day. No, I don't think he has been. He might have came down when Dave was here. Oh. Um, but uh, it's awesome having him around. He's a fascinating dude. I mean, how exciting for the comics. Like, yo, you going to here? Well, he came to a bunch of our shows when we did Stubbs. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, it's like that was when there was nothing to do. You well, know? I got to do one of those Stubbs shows. So those when I so when had that writing job, it was like Willy Wonka. You're like, hey, I'm doing a show at me and Chappelle at Stubbs. Do you want to? <laughs> and I'm literally like writing a sitcom. You know, I'm in a writer's room, and it's like kind of boring. And to get this awesome like call, call to the you know bullpen, like yo, do you want to come? I'm like yeah, let me ask them real quick. I go, and I still have to add. I'm like, hey guys, uh, I, I I might do a show with Joe Rogan and, and uh, Dave Chappelle later tonight. Can I leave like 30 minutes early? And they're so cool. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah go. It's like a rom com. They're like, oh, what are you doing? Go after her. <laughs> <laughs> <Like a> rom com. <laughs> you, you know, because like. 
this is very cool for, for them. I'm I'm like very fortunate. They're very supportive and stuff. And stand up is kind of like rock starry. And they were yeah. very cool. Like yeah, please take the go leave thirty minutes early. Do the show. Tell us how it is. Yeah, I'm so envious. Like have fun. Right. And then you pick me up in your fucking muscle car. Like it was it, just keep, it keeps getting better Chevelle. and better and better. <laughs> You know, it gets more absurd. Like, I told you I was going to pick you up in the coolest car you've ever yeah, seen in your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You'll hear it coming. <laughs> and literally, you, you show up. I hear, blah, 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 yeah. blah. It smells like a boat. That thing's America. Yeah. And then Chappelle, you showed him the car, I remember, after the show. And he's he's just, like, floored. With this. He's like, what? Oh, let me, check, take out, let me check this thing out. Blah, blah. And he was loving the car. And then we drove to the after party. Yeah. This was just such a surreal night for me. Um because we do the show, it's amazing. It's an alternate universe where comedy is happening and it's not happening in LA, you know. The show's amazing, it's fun. And then, and then we, we I'm just laying in the cut. I don't want to overextend. You know, I'm just so grateful to be doing, to be asked to do the show and you already drove me. So all the comics and Dave's friends and stuff are, are piled in the car. Dave is in the passenger seat. And then you're like, hey, Fahim, get in. Like, I wasn't even going to ask. I was going to Uber. I was just going to be forgotten, you know? Right. But you're like, Fahim, get in. So Dave Chappelle has to, like, do the human thing of, of like, pushing his seat up. So I'm like, oh, excuse me, Mr. Chappelle, can I? <laughs> you know? So I'm having, I'm having to squish Chappelle to get into the back of this car. And then you just, like, you're ripping. You're ripping in this thing. And I just thought, like, man. If I died in this car, I would not make the article. <laughs> it would say Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle, and like two other guys died. You know what I mean? They'd probably mention your name, dude. I People don't know. I don't know. But at that moment, you... at that moment, no, yeah. I, I would be a guy. But that was such a fun experience. Just, that was fun. Like, what a wild night. Yeah, it was very fun. Those shows at Stubbs were like um, medicine, you know? Like, I didn't really realize how much we needed well, have a good time. And the crowds, together. too. They were yeah. so appreciative. That's one of the things I noticed when I was doing stand-up out here is the thirst. And, like, it was human nature for as much as we needed it, the audience needed it, too. Yeah. To yeah. have that kind of release. Yeah. And something to go to rather than just being in your house all yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah, people felt trapped. And they didn't. It didn't make sense when a bunch of them. One of the things we did at the shows of the Vulcan, like, how many guys had COVID? And, like. More than half the crowd would raise their hands, you know? Mm -hmm. You go, who wants to get it tonight? <laughs> you get <laughs> people on stage, people open your already... mouth. <gasps> ah, like you've been baptized. Yeah. It was weird. The power of weird. COVID like compels were, you. <sighs> people started treating it like a regular cold, you know? They well, that's, I feel like that's what it is now, kind of. Well, it definitely of. is now, it, it, unless you're insane. You're one of those people that talks outside with a fucking mask on. Mm -hmm. Like, there's still some people that are insane. They're just insane. But it's also a leftist flag. I say uh, it's like the Democrats' MAGA hat. If yeah, you wear that yeah. mask, well, unless I, you're an old person and you're really scared and you have a bad immune system, I get mm -hmm. it. When I see it at the grocery store, it's like it's like <laughs> seeing someone in a throwback jersey. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, ah, okay. It's like a cool old Mariners uh, Bro, jersey. A lot of people that still believe in it. They still believe that you could breathe through something and it protects you from a terrible disease. Could you imagine, like, thinking that the plague is in this neighborhood? Mm -hmm. Like, like some fucking 28 days later disease is in this neighborhood. And you can just pull a paper mask over your face. You're good. Yeah. You feel comfortable. How about what's going in your eyes, stupid? Because that's one of the major ways that people get infected. It's through eye contact, through hand to eye. Right. Like you, your eyes, you like when people sneeze, you get it in your eyes. You ever see? <laughs> you fucking, you tell me you're breathing air. Yeah. How does it get into your face? You'll see um, 
like rapid COVID testing places on corners. Mm-hmm. And I almost look at those as like a psychic spot. You yes. know what I mean? It kind of has the same feel. Like who's, who's going into now. these? Oh, yeah. Super inaccurate. I know a bunch of people who tested negative turned out to be positive. It's uh, it's tricky, man. That fucking disease keeps mutating. It's a bunch of di- hundred different fucking strains now. Who knows how many how many different variants are there now? Yeah, how many? It's like, like five, six. How many variants are there? Seven. How many? How many COVID variants have been identified? Let's find that out. Let's say yes. This is the COVID how multiverse. Many, I say there's fourteen. I say fourteen. I'll say fifteen. I'm gonna prices right you. Let's go. Fifteen. God, I, hope, I hope it's fourteen. Come on. What's the low number you think it is? Uh, eight. I think seven. I'm going to Price is Right, you bitch. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I got to walk behind the set of Price is Right while it was taping. Really? It was kind of nuts. Yeah, because like, my girlfriend at the was time. Was Drew Carey doing it? Yeah. Oh, that's Drew Carey. He, well, awesome. he's a great dude. Like he's during great. During the strike, he was paying everyone. Like, uh, there's that um, diner, Swingers. He was paying everybody's bill. So it, it, you could get a free meal. Oh, wow. It's, as a nice guy, just as part of the writer's strike, like if you were in the WGA or whatever, uh, all your meals were covered. That's but, amazing. Yeah. Good for him. That's beautiful. He's, everybody says Such he's a Such a stand-up guy. guy. He came by the Hollywood Improv one time. That was kind of cool because he's not a guy who like pops in a ton. Yeah, I met him at the Improv one night, and he was uh, giving really good advice to some young comic. What was the advice? Hussein, just if you could write w- one-minute joke every day. Just write one joke every day. Over time, yeah, like you'd be surprised at how much material you can write. That's how I feel about writing. Totally, you just kind of build it in pieces, and mm-hmm. then if you are regimented, uh, regimented about it, uh, when you look back at your notes, it's it's you've done all the work. I always feel like it's like mining, mm. you know, that like sometimes I just hit rocks. I'm just hitting rocks, but every now and then, if I keep mining, I find something cool. Um, variants of concern. Hmm. So that's there's classifications, right? I guess we could play this game. How many variants of concern currently? Yeah, let's be concerned. Come okay, on. let's okay, let's let's start with that. How many variants of concern are there? There's three. Three oh, variants man. of we're, concern. You're way off. But there are Omicron variants. Okay. There's a under monitoring, which has got two, so we're at five. So it's five under monitoring, and, and now de-escalated. There's over fifty of that. Whoa! Just this list de-escalated. Goes on on. Over fifty. Holy shit, dude. I don't know how they classify them. Bro, that's crazy. There's 50 variants. No longer circulating. Like just not hip anymore? Uh, Yeah, it's just there's different. Spike mutations of interest. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. How scary is all that stuff? How scary is it that they keep doing this gain-of-function research? They're like, let's just keep... Oh, is that that how COVID started, the gain-of-function? That's the primary theory. What is gain-of-function? Gain-of-function is when you take a, a virus and you engineer it to make it so that it works on humans. So they'll take a virus that works on bats mm-hmm. and they'll engineer it so that human beings can catch it. Like let us what a get great in on idea. that, yeah. And they make it like super contagious. Also a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> For those familiar, <clears throat> unfamiliar with gain-of-function research, it essentially means juicing up naturally occurring animal viruses in a lab to make them more infectious amongst humans. This practice is nothing new. Scientists in the United States have long known how to mutate animal viruses to infect Humans. Sure. Yeah. The practice is nothing new. It doesn't mean it's not a fucking terrible idea. Like, what good has come out of it? That's my question. 
it, do you guys know how to stop these things from happening? Because it seems like you didn't stop that last one. So what benefit are we getting from the potential of you unleashing deadly super viruses to the world? And is this a thing where because you can do it, you do it because uh-huh. you can get funding because that's just, what you studied in school? They just got bored. They go, well, well, I think it's let's like try what, this bad thing. Well, it's what their business is, right? Mm-hmm. What's your business? My business is studying viruses. Can I get research to study virus? Can I get funds? Well, if you agree with what we say and publicly, we'll give you funds and you can do research. And oh, it's not legal for us to fund that research. Why don't we fund this company uh. and that company to fund the research? And we could say, I don't know what you're talking about. And then, you know, you could change what you describe as gain of function. And you could say, I am the expert, I am science, and that's what we went through. We went through that for three fucking years. It's all about funding, man. And at the end of the day, it's pretty clear that shit came from a lab. It's pretty clear to all the people that are making any fucking sense Mm -hmm. that aren't gaslighting the fuck out of you. Yeah, I always thought about like, what if you're the guy who loved batwing soup and and was it was getting a bad rap unnecessarily, right? Like, guys, it's not the batwing soup, and now he's vindicated. Like, yes, I told it's the you lab. It's I can lab. continue eating the soup. I can keep eating pangolin stew. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gave my stew a bad name. Yeah, remember they were trying to pin it on the pangolin. That was hilarious. Oh, that South Park episode is amazing. Animal. Oh, freakiest, freakiest little animal, like a little dinosaur. Kind, kind man. of a cute guy though. Again, just like that fucking turtle. If that thing was gigantic, storming through a village, imagine. I mean, imagine a monster, like it's eating ants here, but imagine just eating humans. Imagine just plowing through some fucking thatch huts. That tongue just slicing you in half. Just ripping people's legs apart in front of their families. Just chewing them, choking them down. You, have you eaten bugs? Giant pangolin. Yeah, I've eaten a bunch of bugs. I hosted Fear Factor, son. Oh. <laughs> so is that part of it? You had to eat it no, as being host? No, I, I did it because, like, I did it to get people to do it. Like, if they were like, I can't do it. I'm like, you can. Look, I'll do it. I'll do it easy. I just like grabbed, with toddlers? I grabbed Look, a roach and I just chucked yummy. it in my throat. I did it to a couple different things. I ate a few different things. Any, what's your take on the bugs? Are some of them pretty good or are they Roaches are surprisingly That's tasteless. so gross. Ew. Yeah, and it was a big one, a Madagascar hissing cockroach. Alive or dead? Alive. I just grabbed him and ate him. Um, They're surprisingly tasteless. You get over the fact that you're eating a bug and the squish in your mouth, but it doesn't taste like much. And the thing about bugs is people have been eating bugs forever. Animals have been eating bugs forever. I mean, bugs, this is me looking. Still cutie back then. Just watch, I'm going to choke this thing down. Ah, bro. Ah, the crunching. Yeah, it was very crunchy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I was laughing at the same time, too. Were the crew laughing people like, you joking. don't have to do this? No, I, I was doing it to try to get this girl to do it. Did she do it? She wound up eating worms instead, which I thought was worse. We made a deal with her. Two worms. Two worms are a roach. What was the thought when you did Fear Factor? I heard it was, uh, you, you, like, you didn't love acting as much? Is that what it was? Well, the process of sitcoms is great when it's up and running mm-hmm. but it's brutal to begin like the the, the early days of news radio were i love like, that show by the way was, like thank I, you it was a great yeah, show i loved watching it that was like 16 hour days like you work crazy long days and the writers are busting their ass and the actors are everyone's tired the crew's tired it's hard to put together those fucking shows i thought sitcom was a better schedule like i heard these 16 hour days are with single cams and stuff once they get going 
The thing is you have to figure out a way to make it a well-oiled machine and that takes a long time It takes the actors have to be in line. They have to figure out who whose strengths are the writers have to be in line the, They have to get support from the network. It's a grind man. Did you guys eventually get we to a eventually got to the point where we didn't even have to work five days a week We only work four days a week and one of the days was just a table read So we'd come in there would be a table read then there'd be some revisions The writers would get together and they'd come up with new scripts and the, the writers were crazy they would they would write like really late at night like that was their thing to get silly to like be exhausted <laughs> yeah yeah just, just delirious yeah they just get completely delirious and write the most ridiculous shit it was really fun they would just come stumbling in like barely awake at like nine in the morning when we're all there they had just finished you know and some of them sometimes they didn't finish sometimes they had like one half of the script and they were still tightening up the second half so they'd give you the first half of the script you'd work on it until lunch everybody eat lunch and then they would come back with the second half of the script and you'd work the rest of it out and in the beginning, it was, it was exciting and it was fun and everything. But I was like, I this is not my jam. You know, this is really fun to do. You're it's great fun in to it. Do. I, Thanks. Yeah. It's fun. Acting's fun with fun people. But eventually I was like, I just like doing stand-up. And I like doing other things. And then this show, Fear Factor, was like, I was like, this is going to get canceled immediately. Like, you're sick and dogs on people on television and making them eat animal dicks. Like, I'm in. Let's go. You're going to make them ride bulls? Okay. I'm like, okay. So they came to you first. You were first option. They go, do you want to host this show? Well, they didn't know who was going to host it. They they met with a bunch of people. And it was NBC, right? It was NBC. So I had just been on NBC for news radio. And so I had a relationship with them. And so then when this came up, it was just like... uh, uh, they they said, you know, there was two thoughts. One, have someone host it that was like a, like a sports guy, you know, like fear is not a factor uh-huh. for them, yeah. like down the middle, or someone who's like laughing while this crazy shit was going on. So they chose me. So that's, I think it worked better. It worked out. Yeah. Well, you had to make fun of some of it because it was so crazy that you were doing this. And some of the things I was like, don't do it. I would tell people, don't do it. Like, the, the bull riding, I'm like, don't do They're it. They're not paying you enough for no this. No one's paying you enough to ride a fucking bull. You get kicked in the head by a bull, yeah. your life has changed forever. I'm like, I'm not going to do whatever do you, what you want to do. But you don't but have I, health insurance. I wouldn't do it. Smart. I, I told them all, I'm like, I wouldn't do it. They were trying to tell me that it was stunt bulls. Like, that bull does not know it's a stunt bull. That bull thinks it's a fucking bull. It doesn't even know what a stunt bull is. That's a giant fucking angry animal that doesn't want you on its back. And you're getting like untrained people and you're putting a helmet on them yeah. and a chest plate. Some and data hoping, entry guy hopping on a bull. Hoping their arm doesn't get shattered into a fucking million pieces if they're lucky. That's they a good TV joke. kicked in the face. Yeah. Terrifying. Sometimes I see yeah. shows like Wipeout even. I'm like, I, why would I risk this? You yeah. Know, you get to get hit with a Same giant producers. R- <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> they just love people getting fucked up. Yeah. Well, it's like, hey, this is the game we play. I guess. And then also you, you We saw that guy jumping over the bulls. That guy's that's out of his true, fucking mind too. But he's he's willingly doing that and he's in he's in control. He's not being thrust into it. You right. know? This is his life. But in de- their defense, there are people that go on Fear Factor or that went on Fear Factor that were like serious fucking athletes and and they excelled at a lot of these things. And you look, oh, well, if you're like a real athlete, you could do some of this shit, and you could do it better than everybody else. Just like you could play football better than everybody else, or right. wrestle better than everybody else. So it wasn't all eating shit. No, it, no, no, no. It was a lot stuff. of physical yeah. stunts. Like we had a, a celebrity one, one, and uh, the Miz, the WWE, the Miz. He was on it. And he won. Oh. that fucking dude's an athlete, like a real athlete. Like he held his breath underwater while he was swimming for like two fucking minutes or three minutes. It was something crazy. 
he was doing some stunt. They had to dive into water and do a bunch of shit and come out. I forget what it was, but I was like, that guy's a stud. Because, like, that is hard. Like, me as a person who's, like, I've, I've tried to hold my breath for long periods of time underwater. I've swam. Yeah. I've I'm like, that's fucking hard to do. That water's cold as shit, which really freaks you out when you get in there. Everything, like, tightens up. If you're not accustomed to jumping into cold water, it's very difficult to stay relaxed. And this dude's swimming around in there for, like, three minutes. I'm like, that's an animal. Yeah. So there's, like, yeah, you shouldn't ride a bull. <laughs> but some of those fucking things that people do... It's like if you're a real athlete, you can excel at a lot of these things. What was the grand prize for these things? Depend on the show. I mean, in some shows we gave away a million dollars, but that was only a couple of them. Uh, Most of the time they got like, I think it was 50 grand. But then after taxes, it's only like 34. The government's like, <laughs> I ate those dicks. We ate those dicks. Yeah. The government's like, where's my money? Where's my, where's my cut? The government didn't eat any dicks and they get 16 grand. Yeah, Uncle Sam didn't eat dicks. Mm. Yeah, they eat zero dick, and they yeah, get sixteen. And I gotta give my dick money you to this guy. All the dick, you get thirty-four. Yeah, fortunately, you know, praise the baby Jesus, nobody got hurt. Oh, that's good. Nobody got really hurt. Sure. I mean, people get like sprained ankles. Well, and I'm stuff. sure it was an ironclad contract that these people signed. I'm sure it was nuts. I'm sure it was nuts. But I legitimately thought it was going to be canceled immediately. And it lasted how long? Six fucking years. 148 wow. episodes. And then we came back and did it six more. And then it got canceled the second time because people had to drink jizz. Because <laughs> it, got, it got, released, got released on TMZ. They, uh, they got a hold of the, the video and the photo. Somebody leaked it. What kind of jizz? Donkey jizz, mm. which is just useless jizz. How so? <laughs> Was it mule jizz or donkey jizz? I think it was. They had I think a we choice. Call it donkey jizz. I think it's. Would mule you like jizz. the mule jizz? It's sterile jizz. It's the, you can't like mules. You can't. They can't um, impregnate anyone. Yeah. I think they called it donkey jizz though. I think, well, that's what it's, I, I think it might have been actually yeah. mule jizz. Because like that was the yeah. cheapest stuff. That's the budget. You know, there's a budget when you're working on a show. Yeah, fame. we can't get the thoroughbred jizz. Yeah, thoroughbred jizz is super expensive. It is. It's, it's like gold. Like, what is that? It's millions like, of dollars. Yeah, right under that guy, that yoga guy. Like with his who's juice, juice, juice Bikram. Oh, Bikram you ever, Yoga? You ever see that, that interview with him? When he's like, people will pay one million dollars for one drop of my sperm. <laughs> That's what he said. It sounds like a lance bit. <laughs> it does. It does. So this is... Donkey juice, so... I they mean, called it donkey juice, but I think that's just because donkey's a funnier name than mule juice. That's a good point. And so, yeah, so they had to do it. And there was twins. So one had to drink urine and one had to drink uh, jizz. And depending upon your score, depending upon how many ounces you had to drink. Rough stuff, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. And I, that's another show where I said, don't do it. And they're like, NBC signed off on it. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm like, this is, first of all. This is outrageous, and I've seen a lot of stuff. High as a kite. Okay, I never did that show sober. From episode like four on, I would take pot edibles before every show. I was like, let's go. Uh -huh. It made it fun. I'm sure it enhanced the, the oh viewing experience. Oh my God, it made it so much more fun. <laughs> but that was one day where I was like, you guys are freaking me out. Like, don't do this. This is a terrible idea. Did you know that this could be the end, like doing this stunt? 100%. Uh. You're making people drink jizz. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe that I was the one. The voice of reason? Yeah. I was the one who was stepping in and going, hey, guys. The guy on the edible? You can't make people drink jizz on television while people are eating dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the writers are like, we think it's good. We workshopped you it. you imagine trying to explain that to little kids all over the world? What's jizz? I think in other countries they did play it. That's why it's still available on YouTube where I could still find that, that band episode. I think in some countries, I think they played it in Holland. They played it in some uh -huh. European countries. Well, they're way more chill with yeah. mule jizz out there. 
they're like, hey, you it's, know. Yeah, it's like nudity in France. That's like the they're game. very cool with mule jizz. Well, Fear Factor actually started out in Holland. What was it called? I think it was called Now or Neverland. <laughs> Pretty sure it was Holland. And then they bought it and then changed it to Fear Factor huh. and brought it to America. <laughs> <laughs> I guess every every game show is just a remix of something overseas. You know, we do that a lot. But what it was for me, dude, it was like my escape package. Your parachute? Yeah, like the my fuck you package. Did you then know? I could just do whatever I wanted. And mm-hmm. that's when the podcast came after I was done with that. Yeah, you have a great sixth sense for just like not even stumbling, but just like knowing what the next thing is, you know? Like Fear Factor gave you a nice parachute away from sitcom and all that stuff you didn't like. And then podcasting was a nice runway to get into that. And then yeah. you were so early to UFC too, you know? Yeah, but the UFC thing, was the, that was the craziest because I was into the UFC when it was in 1997. I remember when you had to go through a beaded curtain to watch UFC. <laughs> yeah, you have to go I had to a, In Hollywood store. Video, I had to go through a beaded curtain. Yeah, you have to go to the dirty section. Yeah, I remember it was, it was it, yeah, you had to like walk by porno and shit to get to UFC tapes. I was at my my friend uh, Leo Mariama, I believe is his last name, this Japanese kid. He had a UFC tape for his birthday party, mm. and he popped that in. And this was like wild. This yeah, was like early. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't believe it was real. Yeah. These guys are beating the shit out of each other. This is crazy. So you couldn't just get it. It was hard to get. Yeah. So I started crazy working to see for, So I started working for them in 97, UFC 12 in Dothan, Alabama. And it was just crazy. It was like a half-filled like high school auditorium looking place. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think the biggest jump was? In TV. Term- yeah. Getting on Spike TV. It's one of those things where people just need to see it. They needed to see it to know how exciting it is. You know, there's certain things that people just don't know yet. And then they got it on Spike TV. It was all uh, Dana White and the Fertitta brothers. If they didn't, they, they were like $40 million in debt before it, it really hit. What was their venture? They Did they money. have a venture before UFC? Like, what well, were they, they doing? Casinos. Uh. So they were, they were wealthy, but they were fucking hemorrhaging money. I mean, hemorrhaging money doing that that program. And I, but I, you know, I was like, God damn, just the world. The world needs to see. If the world could see, it's so entertaining. It it transcends all cultural boundaries. What fighting is is something that's in human beings' DNA. And when you see a really great fight between two highly skilled, at the peak of condition, just warriors, the best in the world, and when you see them going to war inside of a cage with these little gloves on. And shorts, no shoes on, just fucking teeing off on each other. It is wild to see. There's nothing like it in all of sports. Nothing like it, man. A real high-level championship fight, there's nothing like it, man. And I knew people just had to see it. And if they could see it, they could see what I see. Because this is universal. It's not like a game, like cricket. You could be awesome at cricket. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I know you're trying to hit that thing with the paddle. It doesn't make any yeah. sense to me. I don't know the rules. I'm not interested. But you know? fighting, but anyone fighting, can anyone wrap their head knows around. what's going on. You know, everyone knows what's going on. You wheel kick somebody in the head. Everybody saw that. That's crazy. What the fuck just happened? You get that guy in an armbar and break his arm. Like what? He just broke his arm. This is crazy. This is nuts. What is this? Mm-hmm. It's just universal. I knew it'd be universal. Yeah, fighting is pretty universal. Like I'll watch these wrestling documentaries. They're so good. Like, every wrestling documentary is amazing. And I think that's part of the appeal of wrestling they talk about because it's such a 
it's a play. It's so simple fighting. You know, yeah. everyone knows this. Yeah. And there's so many elements you can have on top of like going heel and it's it's dramatic. It's inherently dramatic. Yeah. It's almost the simplest form of entertainment fighting. Right. Well, in a lot of ways, yeah. It's also it's such a dangerous game, man. Such a dangerous game. You know, and it's hard for guys to know when to stop playing it. You know, it's hard for guys to know when to get out. Mm-hmm. And you see all the great ones, man. All the great ones fall. And it's just part of the game. Has anyone got out at the right time? George St. Pierre. Yeah. He did it the most intelligently, better than anybody. He went out as a champion. He retired after defending his belt. And then he came back and he fought Michael Bisping for the middleweight title and beat him and then retired again. Said that's it. And he's got all of his faculties. You talk to him. He's great. He's super happy. Still very healthy and fit. Still constantly trains martial arts. Comes to Austin all the time to train with uh, Gordon Ryan and John Donaher. So he's here all the time. And he's just a martial artist. Yeah. I mean, and a great spokesperson. And a great example of what is possible. Like that you can be one of the greatest of all time, without a doubt. George St. Pierre will go down in history as one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time. For sure. He's definitely in the conversation of the GOAT. You know, there's a few people that are in that conversation, but he's definitely in there. But that guy's totally fine today. He figured it out. Yeah. He's very smart. One of the rare people. Who just one of the rarest of rare. Checked out. Yeah. He's he's smart. He got out at the right time, and he's got all his faculties, and he's doing great. And that's a beautiful example. But for every one of George St. Pierre, there's guys that leave, and you can tell they're slow. Mm. You can tell they're compromised. You can tell they've been they've been in some wars, and it, that sucks too. It sucks to see. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks to see old guys that are just like just broken down, man. And a lot of them physically broken down, like they can't move well anymore. I, mean, I can imagine. Jeez. Their just backs are all living. fucked up. Bunch of back surgeries, knee surgeries. You know, it's just such a brutal, brutal way to make a living. But yeah, when I started getting into that, man, it was like doing porn. <laughs> Like people are like, what are you doing? The fuck are you doing? Why are you getting involved in this? You have a sitcom career. Yeah, I was on news radio. You're like, while you'll I was see doing it. in yeah. a few years. You'll see. I don't think anybody believed it. Nobody believed it. But I was like, look, I can't help you. Well, it's but a great I just lesson. can only like what I like. It's a great lesson in just following what your passion is, and then the rest kind of like falls into place. If you're lucky, if you're lucky. <laughs> you can just wind up a car thief. <laughs> you know, like, things can go but, bad. But you really love it. You really love stealing cars, though. Yeah, some people do. Remember that movie with uh, Charlie Sheen and some other dude? I forgot the other dude. He, they would just uh, steal Porsches. What that was dude, D.B. Sweeney, is that who it is? Who's the other dude who was in it? The fun movie. What? Was it around the era of Gone in 60 Seconds or Oh, earlier? before that, man. It's an old-ass movie. It was uh, this dude would just steal Porsches. It was like 1980s Porsches, huh. which were really cool little cars, man. It's such a different thing than a Porsche of today. Those little, like, minimized little sporty cars, and he would steal these sporty cars. And uh, the whole movie is just like a, a love affair. Yeah, I love this poster. Yeah, it's great. Who is the other dude? Is that Iceman? Is it D.B. Or... Sweeney? Yeah, it is de- no man's land. <laughs> it's just a it's just a Porsche infomercial. The whole movie's about uh, you, you, if you get this movie and watch it, you don't want to buy an old Porsche. There's something, something wrong, wrong with you. Go to a doctor. Remember Italian? Remember there. Italian job where it was just like a mini commercial? See, look at this. Got a what? What oh, year is that? What cassette is that? Son. Crank it. They got the the toothpick. Come on. 
Bro, those cars Dude, are the shit. I want a portion of toothpick right now. Those cars are very difficult to handle, though. So they saw a car, like, let's get it. And they hop out, and Charlie Sheen was a cop. He was undercover. Right? Isn't that the, the plot? Pretty I've sure. <laughs> and Charlie well, Sheen's going to... This guy's got a cabriolet. A oh, car phone? phone. Car phone. Nice. Oh, I think that's an alarm. Oh. I think it's one of them alarm jobs. Yeah. See, because it's flashing. He's like, oh, there's an alarm on this car. This one's going to be harder. Yeah. So you had to look around. Do you know what you're doing, man? Yeah, bro. I'm going to steal his Porsche. Oh, shit. Is he going to use it? Okay. By the way, if you have a a convertible, can you just cut the top? Oh, here comes the knife. So this is how you do it. Is he going to cut the top? He is going to cut the top, this sly bastard. Look how slick he is. Ooh, nice watch. He's looking for the spot. This is very sensual. Yes, very. <laughs> this is why you shouldn't have a convertible. This yeah, is ridiculous. Charlie Sheen will steal it. Get a cloth house. So Charlie Sheen's going to cut that. Right. What's he going to do? Pop it? Okay. It's pop. that simple, huh? Yeah, he's going to pop the convertible. Hey, Uh-oh. what are you doing? That's my Porsche. Oh, shit. Oh. Guy just shoots at him. Oh, now we're getting into, yeah, fuck. Yeah, so here we go. They're just shooting at him. Jesus. Really bailed on that red one. Yeah, and they kind of chased him in a Trans Am. A lot of great cars in this movie. Spoilers. (laughs) It's a dumbass movie. But every guy loved it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, the Porsches are awesome. It's awesome to watch him speed away in his little Porsches. (laughs) Charlie Sheen car movie? Uh, How many has he got? Another one came up I've never heard of. A sci-fi movie called The Wraith. What? Oh, what is that? It's like Knight Rider? <laughs> I don't know. What is this movie? 1986? Phantom, a wraith. Man, I love old trailers. Given another chance. <laughs> uh, are you new in town? Yeah. Who's the kid? I put my back and the next second he was there. Like magic almost. Oh, he's mad. Uh, Look at that sweet. What is that? It's a cyber truck, dude. <laughs> Oh. What is this? Oh my god. He's in it? <laughs> He's kinda going off the rails, right? Yeah. Is is he yeah. Yeah. He went a little off the rails. Uh, yeah. Boy, this movie looks dumb as shit. Yeah, I've never heard of it. It was the year before. You know he was in a one good movie that people s- sleep on. It was a science fiction movie. Who, Randy Quaid? No. Oh. No. Charlie, Charlie Sheen. Sheen. The Arrival? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. that is movie. That well, is that it was called? Uh, Isn't The Arrival yeah. the well, one? Well, there's two yeah, of them, yeah, I think. The Arrival, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. There's the, the, the dentist. They, right. There's the new one where yeah. the spaceship looks like a coffee it bean. Is the Arrival, yeah. Is it, then, oh, because they both have the same name. I love this okay. movie. Okay. Yeah. So, but this is, the, this is the Charlie Sheen one. This is really good. This one is like underrated. I agree. Very underrated sci-fi movie. The aliens are weird. Like the, weird. the leg thing. Yeah, such a great reveal. It's cool. It's a cool movie. It's like it doesn't get the credit it deserves. It's actually a cool movie. But then there's the other Arrival, which is really. I cool. like that one yeah, too. That one's amazing. Yeah, because that one to me feels more like what it probably yeah, would like be like. How do we communicate with these beings? Right, right, right. That guy who did Sicario. And that was so original. He did, too. He's doing Dune too. He did Ooh, the first one. That oh, that's just. Arrival, right. and the other one is mm, The Arrival. Correct. Arrival's a fucking great movie. Yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah. What's the best alien movie of all time? 
It has to be Alien. I mean, it's right there. That has to be number one. That's you know, the what, best. What, what's alien in contention? Movie. You think? Nothing. Alien, and that's it. It's Alien, and then there's everybody else playing for second best. Uh, what about Independence Day? That's kind of like ah, it's hilarious. I mean, that's not like Close Alien Encounters. Center. Is pretty goddamn yeah. good too. Close Encounters is pretty fucking amazing. That might be the best UFO alien movie, but the best like in space alien movie is Alien. I'm trying to be serious because I say Men in Black is a good movie. That's but, a good like, point. That's a comedy. Not, you know, it's, it's yeah, not even serious. It's fun. Anyway. It's a you fun want, movie. You want creep it's out. a fun movie. But as far as movies, you'd say you have to see this movie, like the original Alien, Ridley Scott. That movie is fucking incredible. That movie's so good. And that was a movie where Sigourney Weaver was the lead badass woman, oh, yeah. which was a rare thing. Was that the first of that archetype? That I kind believe of... so. I believe so. If, like, I, if I had to no... think like of successful mainstream movie superheroine. Hmm. Who... Invasion of the Body Snatchers is... Can I pee real quick? Where is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's we'll, we'll pee. We'll be right back. Everybody, you know? And we're back. And we're and back. What, what were we just talking about? <sighs> Sigourney Weaver in oh, Aliens. So she had to be the first superheroine. Yeah. The first lead action movie badass woman. Who yeah. was before her? I don't know who would be before her. Jackie Brown? No, that was after. That was after. Right, yeah. That was way yeah. after. Great, great. <laughs> <laughs> what was so... Jackie Brown? Well, that's Karen Tarantino. Tarantino. Because Alien was 79. God, uh, I missed that one. But yeah, there'd be no Michelle Rodriguez without Sigourney Weaver. The right. tank top, hot well, She was in heroine. Aliens too. She was in Aliens too with Sigourney Weaver. How many aliens are there? Four, five or six. Well, there's a bunch now. Because the Alien, the Covenant, that's a really good one. Mm. Was the, was the last one? There was Prometheus and then the Covenant. Covenant was the last one, right? Is that correct? You see the new Predator? Yes. Is it good? Were you talking about the one with the Native American lady? It's on. I think it was on Hulu. Pray. Or That's yeah, yeah. dope. Okay. Okay. That's fun. Check it out. That's fun. It's ridiculous, All but right. it's fun. It's good. Is it as good as the Charlie Sheen Porsche heist movie? Almost. Almost. Okay. It's basically, if it's close. If it's close, I'm I'm game. It's fun. It's a fun movie. So female John Wick with aliens. <laughs> I'm sold. I'm sold. <sighs> They, they even went, like, when they gave up, they went Predator versus Alien. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what versus, the fuck are you doing? I feel like there was a Taco Bell tie-in, I'm sure. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> yeah, why not? Actually, why wouldn't it be? Get a plastic cup. Brown, you weren't really wrong, because Pam Greer's Jackie Brown, right? Oh, there was yes. one before. So she, was play- she was in movies in the 70s. That's right. That's why she was Jackie Brown, I think. Right. What movies oh. was she in the 70s, like though? Foxy Brown. Foxy Brown. The thing about it is, though, I don't think they were... Big action movies, well, like when you got definition. a budget, like a Sigourney Weaver is the lead of a Rip, Ripley Scott film, uh-huh. uh, and it's a giant budget. It's a crazy movie. That yeah. was a huge he, hit. Uh, that movie was a huge hit. He did Gladiator too. Yes, they're doing Gladiator. Ridley too. Scott has done. Uh, he did one of the million. Aliens. The first that? one was only eleven million budget. That's it. Yeah. Damn. So it was, but but it had big actors, right? Like that one dude, Tom Shernick, whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, What's I mean, his name? In, in retrospect, maybe I don't. That know guy was about, big at the time. I was. Oh, yeah. I, this is five years before I was What's his born. name? Tom, Tom what? Skirt. Tom Skirt. Yeah, he played uh, the captain. That's a. It's a crazy ass fucking movie, man. That's a good movie. Because that's probably what it's going to be like. <laughs> it's yeah. probably going to be like parasites, just like parasites on Earth. I mean, there's a lot of different instances in the wild of creatures doing that like there's that wasp that uh injects tarantulas with its uh with its babies it kills spiders and injects them with its babies and the babies like feed off the carcass of the 
of the spider. That's crazy. It's so evil. Isn't there one where there's like this parasite that grows out of an ant's head? Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's cordyceps mushrooms. Uh. That's what's that movie, uh, The Last of Us. Is oh, based I do. On. That's so good. That show, I love that show. It shows great. It shows someone, great. Someone, maybe it was a Reddit thread. They were saying, because they tried to poured over video game movies for so long and they could never get it right mm-hmm. and I think the person in this thread was saying like the, the kids are finally old enough and becoming directors where they can do it, the source material justice mm-hmm. whereas before it's just these people who are, like, who are trying to make a Mortal Kombat film but they didn't grow up with they don't have a love letter to it you know Yes, yes. and now we're getting to see great video game IP flourish like The Last of Us is phenomenal yeah but it also has to be something like HBO where someone's willing to let someone, you know, get really wild. Yeah. You know, like, that would be hard. To, that was HBO, right? Yeah. It'd be hard to do anywhere else. Like HBO, Game of Thrones, Sopranos. Right. They'll, they'll go out there with a show, you but, know? Yeah, when I was coming up, I mean, just the video game movies that existed. There was Street Fighter with Van Damme. There was, <laughs> there was Mortal Kombat. So as a kid, you, were, you loved watching these movies, but they weren't good. Dragon's Lair. Wasn't there a Dragon's uh, Lair movie? I don't know if there well, is that a game? Remember Dragon's that game? I don't know. Remember Dragon's, Dragon's Lair was a game that everybody oh, yeah, Mario used to Brothers. play. Mario Brothers. Dragon's Lair was a game that everybody used to play in like the 1980s, and it was like uh, a cartoon uh, of each thing that you did, you get to see whether or not you were successful. So you would do this little move, and if you slipped and fell, or if the the the, the knight got you or a dragon got you, you would die. Uh-huh. But you get to see how you would die. So instead of it being like an interactive cartoon, it was like semi-interactive. Like you've made the right choices, it would do the right thing, and the character would do the right thing, and then you would you would be hitting your joystick, getting it to go through these doors, and then every time you did it, like this little video would play out. It was very addictive. And it was the first time there was ever anything like this, where there was like a game that you could watch like a cartoon movie. Uh, and depending upon whether you did the right thing or the wrong thing, you would see this happen or you th- see you get killed. What so was that's that? 1983. Uh, full playthrough. So this is all the things that you would have to do to... To be successful, and every time you would do it, you'd this little video would play. Is it out. kind of Prince of Persia y? Well, it's like you know, dragons and knights and shit. It was fun, but you know, compare that to World of Warcraft, or compare that to you know, what, what's the big one that Diablo, the new Diablo, yeah. or compare that to Call of Duty. Call that's of Duty. the big one. That's, like, that's just crack. That's just straight oh, heroin. Yeah. Did you ever see this game? This was an arcade game that was like Dragon's Lair. <laughs> this was the only thing that was really cool about this is this was holograms. So this was like floating above your controllers. Whoa. You controlled it a lot like Dragon's Lair. That's how it worked. It was like these weird little videos that would play, huh. like an old West character. But it was all holograms. Like this doesn't do it any justice to uh. how cool it was. Oh, so in real life, <laughs> when you're watching it on the video screen, it's a hologram. Yeah, it was very strange. Whoa! It's like in the '90s in arcades. That's how I remembered it. That's how I remember. That guy about just busted that blank a little too close to that well. dude's <laughs> body, for my liking. Oh, they you know, used the... You know they didn't edit that out. It's not like they no. had one guy and they spliced in the second guy. How much do you that think guy he was got, right in front? He got paid four dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I got paid by Fortnite. They they used my dancing in a emote. Really? And they they paid me. They paid me oh, like five grand. Nice. What'd you buy with it? Uh, just like more Fortnite stuff. No, I'm just kidding. The... Nah, I have no idea what I spent with it, but. It's kind of cool because I post the dance videos sometimes, and I guess their programmers found one of my YouTube. Like, it had no views. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're comedy fans. That's how they found out. But, like, they just hit me up, and they go, hey, the game's going to use 
this excerpt of you dancing as like a skin or like an emote will give you five grand. And I was like, fuck yeah. Wow. It's still one of my favorite credits in Hollywood because it's just so weird and bizarre. That you're in Fortnite. <laughs> I have a Fortnite dance. It's Do you called, play it's Fortnite? Called, no, but I know it's really popular. <laughs> so it's called the Vibin emote. So if you look at the Vibin emote, that's me dancing. Oh shit, let me see that. Yeah. So they just took a, uh, an excerpt from like me when I was dancing in my apartment in Koreatown. Because some, sometimes if I like really like a song, I'll just set the camera up and dance to it. This. Yeah, that's me. Huh. There's so many little kids that mm. probably know the shit out of this dance. It looks very different than you, bro. That's true. They could have just done that. They didn't have to pay you. No, you needed me to. You needed me as the <laughs> I think they could have just paid you. No, I just want to put this out there. Fortnite, I have more dances. If you need more moves. Yeah, I don't think they needed to pay you for no, that. They need- I think they could have just well, snuck that in I if they were like less scrupulous. Probably. But I think they were in, under hot water because it was a moment in time where people were kind of upset that they were lifting some of the dances. Like, Remember that, oh, remember really? that Backpack Kid, the floss dance? Remember that, the that, little kid? Yeah, remember yeah. he was like his name is Backpack Kid. I guess as a meme. You talking about the kid on the boat? <clears throat> nah, you know this, this. This is so dumb. You ever see the little kid on the boat? Nah, but remember this dance? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some kid in a backpack invented it. Really? And then they Fortnite used the dance, and then there was some sort of hey, people should be getting paid. The Carlton they put in there, and there was this gray area of like, should we pay these people? So this kid is saying that that was his move and they stole it? Well, they probably patched it up and played oh, he's, nice and he's... everything, but he's the inventor of that dance. Really? Invented it himself? Yeah. I mean, there's no dispute? I don't know if anybody else claimed it or tried to say that it was them. What's that called? Flossing? Yeah. yeah. It's a strange hmm. move, too, so I don't know how he wouldn't have. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like watching people do silly dances. Some dude did this Michael Jackson thing the other day. Like, he... He high-fived this dude and then immediately started moonwalking. <laughs> and it was really good. Yeah. It was, like, very impressive. It's so interesting seeing social media get to a place where there are, like, viable careers in, in these spaces that didn't exist before. Like right. Charlie D'Amelio or whatever. Like, you could just be a cute girl dancing on TikTok. And that's – you used to have to be able to sing and uh, they would send you to acting school if you were just, like, a pretty person. Like, right. they had to give you these other skill sets. And now you can just, like, dance to certain songs. What do you think that's like psychologically? Because at least if you're a person who sings songs, like, people really love my songs. She probably sings now, you know, like, but it was a springboard. Like, she got famous for her dancing. Does she sing? Probably. I don't know. Well, imagine someone who doesn't sing. Right. Just imagine being famous just for being alive. That's that's available to you now. That's a new thing. It's a new thing. That's a new thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's also interesting because, like, when I got into comedy and, like, fame was a byproduct. But I think with younger people, sometimes they just want to be famous mm-hmm. and they don't really care or know what for. I remember we were shooting a thing. We were shooting the Sonic commercial years ago and the kids saw a camera. They, so many of them would say, make me famous. It wasn't I want to do a thing that I love and then become famous. They just wanted to be fame. Fame, fame is a byproduct, not uh, I don't know if it should be the goal. Yeah. I don't know if that's the healthiest. No, it's not a good it's not a good goal. Because it's you'll never sustain it. You're never gonna it. be happy either. Yeah, yeah. You should be happy if you're doing what you like to do. You know the 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 idea of just being happy just by fame that's a trick, and that's that's gonna come with a lot of problems of its own, and you don't want them. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you you're better off just concentrating on what you love to do and just try to get good at it. Yeah, yeah. 
And trying also, to just get famous. You're going to do some stuff that you wish you hadn't done. You're going to say some things you wish you hadn't said. You're going to try to get a lot of attention. It's going to come with a lot of extra baggage. Yeah. And the fame isn't exactly the fun. There are some parts of it that are fun, but then it also impedes your life. Like, Well, it depends on if that's all you do, right? Like there's people out there that are, you know, air quotes influencers. All they do is like – Either, you know, you're the Kardashians or you're whoever you are. You're doing something and you're making videos and you're – that's your whole thing is you getting out there. Uh-huh. It's not like exceptional content. It's not like they're doing crazy backflips and, you know, climbing mountains. They're not doing anything crazy. Yeah. They're just being alive. Right. Being alive with a lot of money and, and being, a big ass. And being beautiful. <laughs> that helps. That helps. But it's also being around famous people and, you know, oh, my God, it's the glamorous life. And then people are sucked in. And if you edit it correctly, we do a nice fast, keep my attention span mm-hmm. moving, you can suck me in for years. Yeah. You forget editing is such a strong uh, necessity nowadays, too. It's huge. Yeah. It's almost more important than a performer. I mean, it's hyperbole, but a great editor can really elevate some content. Yes. Like Schultz's guy's amazing. I mean, what Schultz's is fantastic to begin with. But editing, when you're trying to grab people's attention in 20, 30 seconds yeah. with all the zooms and all these psychological tricks too, like shaking it, having the text come in. Mm-hmm. So now even to promote as a younger comic, people coming up, you have to be aware of – you might have a great bit, but you have to have it be a little cuttier than it would be live. Right. You have to use a certain type of uh, captions. You have to maybe zoom in. So you have to give yourself – uh, I don't know, the benefit of the doubt or set yourself up for success via editing. Yeah. Yeah, and there's so many different ways to do it now too. You know, it's like so many people found different avenues to make viral things. Like remember during the pandemic when Schultz had to turn your phone oh, sideways yeah. thing? Brilliant. Yeah. He had a totally different style of comedy than he does because he, you know, on stage, he'll let things cook. He'll have long pauses, give you time to think about some ridiculous shit that he just said. And that's, he's like, yeah. Yeah, that's the fun of the live show. Right. But in the the these Instagram videos, sideways videos, he was very fast-paced. It was very fast-paced. Yeah. And uh, it's punchline after punchline after punchline. He does the Netflix thing, you know, Schultz Saves America. Punchline, punchline, punchline. Right. It's very fast. It's, it's really interesting because he adapted. Yeah. Found, like, some new pathway. That's a real sign of intelligence, right? If you could find like a new way to do it, and did the right, and don't do Zoom stand up, son. I mean, of course, <laughs> yeah, no shit. But find a, a way. There's a there's another pathway. There's got to be something yeah. else. And a lot of people did. They they found ways to do funny clips. And you learn just by seeing what is being propagated, what how people's behaviors. Mm-hmm. Even when I edit my stand up, I I take the air out. If I get a laugh. I'll cut the laugh short just to get to the next part. You're just competing against people's thumbs swiping up. Mm, so, you think like that? Uh, sometimes, because if you, um, you, you can make your joke a little tighter via editing. Mm, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Because yeah. if you're an unknown and you're, you're just competing about people, you're competing with people swiping their thumb and watching something else. Yeah. I think you can't really worry about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's all trial and error, too. It's, people uh, still love stand-up, dude. They're, they're still going to love it. And if it if it's below jazz in the in so the, the listings, so be it. I love it. It's it's fine. It's, it doesn't need any more attention than it gets. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. And the people that love it love it, and the people that don't, that's fine too. It's all fine. Don't worry about who swipes and who doesn't sure. swipe. Worry about doing what you enjoy. Do that thing and make it so that something you're like, I like it. This is good. Well, I that, did it the yeah. way I wanted to do it. Bam. That's where I'm at now with stand up. Perfect. Where I'm just very happy, especially after doing that last special. I'm at a place. Where I'm comfortable, 
I called the special, this new one, House Money, because things are great, um, you know, with my parents and financially and career-wise. It's so funny, the pressure of your parents. It's like yeah. just an overwhelming blanket. It's a cliche, you know, the whole immigrant, <laughs> be a doctor or whatever. Yeah, they want you to be successful. They want to be it's successful. hard to get over yeah, here. Yeah, but I love them, and I know what it was rooted in. It was just rooted in their offspring wanting of course. to do the it's best love. that they can. Yeah, yeah it's rooted in love. It's yeah. a little smothering. <laughs> a little smothering. But, but you made it out. Yeah, yeah, I think it allowed me to be where I'm at now. Fuck yeah. So it was rocket fuel. and yeah. There's something to be said for that. There's mm. something to be said for some uncomfortable shit that makes you work harder. You know, because the the worst situation is you're too comfortable and you don't work hard enough. And then you're then you don't have a career because you've just been lazy. Mm -hmm. You could have had a career. We have know a lot of guys like that. Right. You know, we know a lot of guys that just for whatever reason, they didn't fucking put it together. Right. They didn't work as hard as everybody else did. They just didn't try as hard. They, for whatever reason, they just fucking cashed out, you know? Yeah. It sucks. It's a real bummer because you learned at an early age of the value of hard work and discipline. And I think a lot of people just don't know the value of that. And they just would rather just indulge because indulging is fun. We all love to do it. And stand-up comics are, you know, most of us are pretty indulgent and silly. So you got to find a way to harness that. Like you're the boss of you. You got to figure out a way to say like, hey, I'm the boss of me. I will sit my ass down and mm -hmm. I will fucking work on this shit. There's a level of entrepreneurship that I think is great about stand-up, too. And mm -hmm. I think that's why I worked so hard is because I knew what my life would be like if I just stayed at Boeing. It was a means yeah. to an end. It's not like I did engineering just so I can get a legit job and mm -hmm. be able to move out to L.A. And, and, and drive up to Hollywood. So it was always a means to an end. But I would always, when I'm in that cubicle, I knew what my life would be like if I just stayed at Boeing. Yep. Whereas I didn't know what it would be like. I knew what I wanted it to be. And that drove me. Whereas, yeah. okay, I know this movie, I don't know this movie, and I love this. Right. So that was the fire for me. Right. Just uh, not wanting to live for tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you pursue something, and uh, when you pursue something like that, it's, 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 it's exciting, it's fulfilling. It's very exciting, but it's also very daunting, right? Especially in the beginning. God, I remember the early days where I wasn't sure whether I was going to make it. Mm -hmm. It was just whether I was going to be able to make a living. It was, it's so weird. It's such a weird feeling. You know, you're so, everything's like open-ended. You never know. You know, you don't know the one, the, the next set you have where you bomb. Oh my God, am I going to have to quit? Do I suck forever? Yeah. Am I going to figure this out? Those are the best moments when I was young, when I was first starting out, it was after bombs. After bombs, I always you came learn out the sharper. Most. You come out so much sharper. It sucks, but you either get better or you quit. <laughs> Yeah. You get better or you quit. I always think about that whenever people get into stand-up. If they bomb and they don't love stand-up, they're out pretty fast. Yeah. Because that's not a fun feeling. I Unless say, you have a screw loose and you love it, and I'm that way. Whereas I was more emboldened after a bomb. I was like, okay, why didn't it work? How do I tweak this? Right. I took it as, as the audience being an editor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fuel. Mm-hmm. It's undeniable. They either laugh or they don't. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, people used to say, like, I think Bill Cosby says there's no bad crowds, just bad comedians. Well, he's out of his fucking mind, clearly. Uh, and I used to say about that, well, he never had to work the places that I had to work. I had to work bars in the middle of Massachusetts uh, and Rhode Island and fucking Connecticut. Like, shut your mouth. There's bad, bad audiences. But through those bad audiences, you learn clou you know, crowd 
control mitigation shit. You learn how to work the crowd. You learn how to like capture people's attention so you don't let them drift off. Uh-huh. You don't like you, you can't they're not all good crowds. You learn how to corral energy. Yeah. Also, if someone is being disruptive, do they do they have a good heart? Do they mean well? Yeah. Just a little too tipsy and kind of harness that back into your set and be playful because some comics don't realize and they just go nuclear on the person. Yeah. And yeah, then it's yeah, like yeah. beating up a toddler because right. then you've lost the goodwill of the crowd. Everyone's like, yo, you just fuck this chick up. <laughs> For it's, no reason. And, and then yeah. you try to do a joke and they go, no, you're a monster, dude. Yeah, it's basically like having road rage. Like you're in yeah. the car and you're like, shut the fuck up. You know, like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Fuck you. No, fuck you. Right, right, right. You know, you're, you're so amped up because you're already in a car and you're driving fast. When you're on stage, your brain is amped up. When someone chimes in, you're like, What? Shut up, you stupid bitch. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Even though he's like technically- like, oh my God, yeah, yeah. what have you done? Go, There's a nicer way to say keep it down. Yeah. And you may have lost the crowd by saying you right. stupid bitch. But then there's some people that you just have to address like, yeah. you know, to get rid of them. They, they're going to ruin your show no matter what you do. And they so, do it on purpose. Sometimes they're so malicious and mean that yeah. you have carte blanche to fucking lay into this guy. Yeah. And it's kind of fun because sometimes these people are so singular minded and they think the world revolves around them. When the crowd starts booing the person yeah. and you see that switch in their eyes, like, oh, they've been perceiving the whole situation wrong. Right. I go, why is this entire room booing you if you're the good guy? Right. You know what I mean? Everyone's yeah. like, get the fuck, shut, fuck you. <laughs> they got babysitters and shit, you know? <laughs> they hate this guy. Yeah. So I, I kind of like teaching a lesson sometimes when that happens. I'm like, I do a million sets. This is fun for me to, to teach a grown man a lesson. <laughs> do you hear, you hear all these boos? Why are they hissing at you, dude? Yeah. It's fun to educate sometimes. Well, some people just, they're drunk and they don't even realize what the consequences of what they're doing are. They're just being so selfish. They don't care about the other 300 people in the room. They yeah. just want to just yell out. But most of the time... They just, they mean well, but they've had a few drinks and, exactly. you, can, and you can rein them in. Booze is the best and the worst thing for comedy. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Ideally, you want yeah. everyone who's great on it. Yeah, you want it, people who can handle their liquor. But every now and then you'll get, that's not true. How is it at Mothership? Because you run a tight <laughs> ship, no pun intended, because you got to put the phone in the bag. Yeah, you well, have- you have to kick people out that are disrupting the show. Does it, happen, does it happen still? Yeah, it's happened. It happens. It's going to happen. No matter if you have live comedy, you're going to have people that are just hammered. We had a lady go into a K-hole. She was on ketamine. She went into a K-hole in the middle of the crowd. How is a K-hole audience member? What's that like? <laughs> they, they didn't know if she took it opiates or what she took. So Were you panic. like, this joke's really good. She's no, fucking orgasming. I wasn't there. Um, and it was the night that I was off, I think. Or it wasn't on the show. I don't remember what it was. But... Either way, the lady went into a K-hole. <laughs> and they, they had the Narcan ready. They thought she had, you know, overdosed. But no, she was just fucking gone. Because a lot of people take this nasal spray of ketamine. And they take it, like, as therapy. Uh-huh. <laughs> you fucking quasi-dimensional traveling in the middle of a comedy show. I don't understand when people go that hard and then pay tickets to an expensive show. Like, Bro, some people, people will go to a concert and just be fucked up beyond belief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you go, you go, you, That's Ari's you, fear. <laughs> you're not even mentally here to enjoy Beyonce or whatever exactly. it is. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's the experience sometimes people say, I'm going to take an edible and go see a show. You're like, ah! How do you finesse that, though? Like that lady on, on K, I don't know if she was really processing the jokes, right? Oh, she definitely wasn't. She was, she was gone. I mean, she collapsed. She was gone. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've never done ketamine like that. Um, I don't know what happens, but the the way they do it, if you do a lot of it, you go into what they call a K-hole. And whatever that means, 
but I know that people have like hallucinations and they have like these weird experiences where they're interacting with interdimensional beings. Mm-hmm. They're in empty apartment buildings and space and shit. Weird stuff. Weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like you don't need a show for that. It seems like a heavy drug. It seems like one that you could <laughs> be out in the town on that stuff. Yeah. But I guess people a... microdose it. I, th- I guess that's the thing. Not this girl. The, de- the anti-depression effects from microdosing. They used to have a ketamine drip thing that Neil did. Oh, yeah. Neil Brennan did it. Yeah. Yeah. He said he thought that he would go to a doctor's office and it would be like mild. He's like, no, I'm tripping balls <laughs> at the doctor's office on an IV drip of ketamine just like interacting with space beings and shit. Yeah. I remember when he was going through a phase of like trying different things for mm-hmm. depression. He was doing it. He Magnets. showed me a video of the magnet thing. Mm-hmm. And then K, I guess, and then ayahuasca. Yeah, he was telling me about it. Like he was doing it a lot. I didn't know that you could do ayahuasca that frequently. Oops. Um, you're probably not supposed to. I mean, how yeah, he's doing a lot. He's a pioneer, it. dude. He's a wild dude, but it did help him. It definitely did help. Yeah, him. I've noticed. I've noticed a difference. Yeah, he talked about it. It's like I forget what percent. Well, he believes he said. in God now and stuff. Just like, oh, yeah. yeah, it might be real. It might I, be something to it. I'm so scared of ayahuasca. He he actually asked me because the. I like control. Right. You had a bad mushroom trip, right? Yeah. Because you like control. Well, yeah, exactly. And you can't control when you're on drugs, you know? Not when those, not mushrooms. That's for damn sure. You and if you to... try, it'll take you down a very bad road. Yes. You got to learn how to let go. Let go. I know. Ari, Ari Shafir was, because uh, Ari was living in LA at the time. Paulie Shore does ayahuasca. Uh, he just did it. He talked about it. Let's go. I mean, I don't know what. He's like, I. everyone said like what you do. If he starts wearing wooden beads, I'm going to strangle him. <laughs> <laughs> As soon as you do too much ayahuasca, you start wearing wooden beads. I'm always like, bro. No, you're tapped you okay? in, dude. You okay, bro? Do you have an eagle feather in your hair? Because I'll kill you. <laughs> have you done ayahuasca? No. Uh-huh. no. So then what's your, why haven't you? Uh, I haven't had the opportunity. I haven't had people that I want to do it with. I haven't had a, it's illegal in America. So oh, it is? either you do it illegally here or you go somewhere else. Mm. Um, yeah, it shouldn't be. But also, maybe you should know who the fuck is making it and how they're doing it. And I've done DMT though, which is the uh, the what? That's the active ingredient. I saw a guy take that. a hit from a DMT pen at a party, and, and it was like unsettling to watch him because you just see him blast off in a chair. I'm like, this is too personal. It's almost yeah. like seeing a guy jerk off or something. Very just, weird to do that yeah, in front of everybody. He just blasts off for like five minutes, and you just see him like, I go, okay. Jesus. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's a potent drug. Like it's a hit off of a vape pen. I think it's a portal into another dimension. I really do. I know that sounds completely yeah. insane, especially from the host of Fear Factor. Right. But I think it's in your mind. I mean, they know that your brain produces those chemicals. Why would your brain produce chemicals that let you interact with beings <laughs> in other dimensions that are giving you wisdom? Why? Why would that be something your brain makes? I don't know. But the speculation is that your brain makes it when it thinks it's going to die and that you, when you interact with that dimension, that's your spirit. That's your soul. That's what the essence of you, mm-hmm. not your, your physical being and your life experiences and your memories. That's the essence of you goes to this place. And that's the only way to access it? or Maybe. Some people say you can access it through kundalini yoga. This is, I've never done it that way, but there's. I have done what they call holotropic breathing. I've I've had psychedelic experiences just from breathing. You can get to a, like an acid state just breathing. It's really wild. But um, 
the um the the physical process of dying like when people have near death experiences it sounds a lot like a psychedelic trip like a lot of these people that go to the light and then come back like they they die for like 30 seconds and then they come back and they have this crazy experience of interacting with beings and interacting with angels and interacting with devils and weird shit man and a lot of them have these weird stories and they've tried to like map out what the fuck is happening with the human mind while that's going on. But it's just a lot of speculation in terms of like, they didn't even know like what part of the brain is producing this chemical. They knew it's pr pr produced by the liver and I think it's produced by the lungs, but like they think it's produced by the whole brain now. Isn't that what Strassman said the last time he was here? But your brain makes the most potent psychedelic drug known to man. That's the, one of the reasons why that stuff is such a short, um, like uh, the time that you're, if you take DMT, your body brings it back to baseline very quickly. Like how it's like long? You're blasted for 10, 15 minutes and then you're back. Huh. And you're stone cold sober. And you were just in another dimension. That's crazy. It's bananas. And you're back to the party. And like nothing happened. here's what's even more crazy. You have a really hard time remembering it. You had one of the most insane experiences you could ever possibly imagine. You remember little snippets of it, just like a dream. Yeah, I'm like that. I'm I'm bad at remembering remembering dreams. Yeah, she got a journal Everybody or is. something. Yeah, everybody is, and that that is like a function of that same thing. That when you take the actual chemical, when you take the actual DMT molecule, it's the same thing that happens. You have a very difficult time holding on to those memories. Because memories are weird anyway, you know. We all have false memories. We all have distorted memories. You have a, an approximation of things. I'm jealous. Some people have iron trap memories. Mm. I'll talk to a buddy, and he, he'll bring up an event from six years ago, mm. and, like, I don't work that way. I'm so jealous. Some people just have super memories like that. They definitely do with some things. You know, I'd always wonder, like, do they have less experiences in their life? So is that, like, more memorable because they don't have anything that stands out from the norm? I think just the way their brain processes information and events, like, it has a better filing system or something. Well, some people definitely have photographic memories. Like, they can remember everything absolutely perfectly. You know that lady from Taxi, that yeah. show Taxi? Yeah. I was, I was just thinking about that yeah. 60 Minutes piece mm -hmm. that uh, they, she was on there talking about, like, she's one of these people, like, a, with super memory. Super memory. Yeah. Like, very different than normal good memory. Even people who can remember lines very easily, I'm so jealous of. Oh, yeah. You know? Because what a leg up you have over the competition if you can just read a thing and be like, got it. Yeah. And you could do it. I know. That's crazy. That's probably her. Mary Lou Henner. Yeah. Highly superior autobiographical memory. A rare condition identified in only 100 people worldwide. This trait drives her to advocate for more funding for brain research. That's insane. That's incredible. It's a super when you human hear gift. her like recite things that she can remember, it's bananas. Yeah. It's bananas. But that would be an amazing advantage to be an actor. For like, sure. You read the script once and like I got, got it. it. I know exactly what you're gonna say, and then I know exactly what I'm gonna say. How are you on news radio with lines? I was okay. Yeah. You know. I was okay. It's uh, it's a complicated little thing to remember. Everyone's process is different too, mm -hmm. how to retain that, just going over For it. For me it was always just repetition. You have to do a lot of repetition over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Say it out loud. Write it down. I was here. Get on your feet. Down. So like pace and say mm -hmm. the words. So it's in your that body. Sure. I heard Riz, Riz Ahmed. You know him as an actor? No. He's great. He's, he's in Sound of Music or Sound of Metal. Um, the two very different movies, by the way. <laughs> <I know. laughs> he was in The Sound of Music or The Sound of Metal. Uh, One of those. I'm pretty sure it was Sound of Metal. But he's a super talented actor and 
I heard he like runs while he does his lines and just to mm. get himself out of his. Wasn't he in Oppenheimer? Was, was he? he? I feel like everyone was in Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer's a damn good movie. How crazy is it no, they went after him for communism? What was that? How crazy is it they went after him for communism? Oh, that's what they got him on? Well, that's what they're going after him for. That was the thing, dude. They get you. Yeah, but I mean, the guy who invented the fucking bomb. Leave him yeah, alone. Yeah. <laughs> Leave what, him alone. What if the movie ended after they dropped the bomb and everyone cheers? And then you see the right. credits? Yeah. But it's funny because. Yeah. But you saw they had to do that back end where he felt bad and oh, shit. Of course. He's like, what, what have I done? One of my favorite all time videos, let's leave it on this, is the Oppenheimer video of him describing what he said when the first bomb went off. When he quoted the Bhagavad Gita. Let's watch. We'll leave with this. Fahim, you're yeah, the fucking man. Thanks for I appreciate you. Me. Love you to death. Thank I miss you so you. much. Um, your uh, new comedy special? Yeah, it's called House Money. It's on my YouTube channel. So if you go to youtube.com slash Fahim Anwar, and it's Fahim for free. Anwar, it's for free. And Fahim Anwar on Instagram and all the other social yeah. media platforms. And um, always the comedy store. Yeah. Oppenheimer. Shit. You knew the world would not be the same. Few people laughed, few people cried, most people were silent. I remembered the line from the Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita, Vishnu is trying to persuade the prince that he should do his duty. And to impress him, takes on his multi-armed form and says, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I suppose we all thought that one way or another. That's a quote. That's a fucking Bars. bar. That's a bar. bar. Right Somebody there. put some hip hop beat underneath. Yeah, that. it probably is already in a song. <laughs> That's a good that point. should be in a Wu Tang song. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thank Bye. you. Bye.